0: Welcome back to Cambro Conversations. Today is episode 163, and I am your host, Colin Campbell. In today's conversation, I am joined for another one of our roundtable discussions by Chris Burns, the owner of Savage Scholar Consultancy, and David Hatt, the founder of MTN Coaching. You'll remember these two have come on a number of times now to discuss a whole range of different topics in episode 100, 117, 118, and more recently, episode 141. And In those previous episodes, we discussed things like self-development quotes, overrated and underrated, and even the gateway drug to success. Today, we discuss our unpopular opinions, including some unpopular opinions around Christmas, given that this episode is being released on Christmas Day. So if you are listening on Christmas Day, I want to wish a Merry Christmas to you, your family, and a prosperous 2023. Some of the unpopular opinions that we cover are across a range of topics, including business, career, fitness, mindset, and even fashion. And like I said, there's a couple of Christmas ones at the end that we share for you. The video version of this podcast is going to be available on Spotify where the quality is absolutely excellent because we recorded this in the green room studio at Giant Cross in Glasgow. As I said, if you're listening on Christmas Day, have a fantastic Christmas to you and your family. And I'm really looking forward to us all working towards an amazing 2023 together. Today's podcast is sponsored and supported by FitLogic Systems. Owner of FitLogic Systems, Joe McNee, worked in the fitness industry for a number of years while juggling a full-time teaching career and a young family. And he started to automate some of the boring, repetitive admin tasks. And over time, this part-time hobby to refine his own business became a business in itself. And he's now worked with some of the biggest names in the fitness in this industry. FitLogic Systems can fully implement what is known as a custom automation solution for your business. Now, that sounds very complicated, but in short, it allows you to automate some of the automatic processes that need to happen within your business for it to run smoothly. And you can then focus on more important things like coaching your clients, interacting with them rather than the admin in the background. This can work for you whether you're a one-man band or whether you're somebody that's trying to scale their business to greater and greater heights. Today's podcast guest, David Hatt, uses FitLogic Systems to support his business, MTN Coaching, to ensure that he can keep the quality of his coaching high without getting bogged down in the boring admin work i'm going to link joe's instagram in the show notes it's joe underscore fit logic underscore systems and you can get connected with joe on there there's a huge number of different things that are going to be able to support fitness coaches in the year by getting connected with him now before we dive into the episode uh there's one more episode coming in i think think it'll come out in the 1st of january uh, so i oh sorry this is actually officially the last episode 22 that feels a bit mad and i am so grateful for all the support on the podcast this year it has been an incredible journey and thank you for being a part of it if you are new here please hit the follow or subscribe button and leave a rating if you're listening on apple podcasts or on spotify but that's quite enough for me i am um, I really enjoyed recording this conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it as well. We've got some very uh, controversial opinions. So bear in mind, you don't have to agree with everything that we say. And I certainly look forward to some nuanced arguments and discussions in the DMs off the back of this one. The music's going to play, and I hope you enjoy this episode. back again we're ready
1: we are ready let's do it
0: here we go (laughs) bit of a Christmas special but unpopular opinions we'll save the Christmas unpopular opinions towards the end because people might turn off with how upset they get particularly yours Chris Um, I was upset by yours are you? Where yeah. are you? Okay. Well, there's, 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 there you there's, there's your clickbait for it. <laughs> ha- hang on to the end. The listen time will be up on this one. But I'm back with uh, David Hat, the founder of MTN Coaching, and Mr. Chris Burns, the founder of Savage Scholar Consultancy. And this has been really, really popular when we've got together before. In fact, when I was sharing the top ten most listened episodes of 2022, two of ours were were, were in there amongst all the guests that we've had.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> was genuinely This a lot of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was
1: actually <laughs> impressed. I was genuinely impressed. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> made, made it vibes, yeah, yeah. but uh,
0: what we'll do is we'll, we'll work a work our way around the the table with an unpopular opinion, and uh, we'll start with with you, Chris, to bring Does us your me? first unpopular opinion. Right.
1: we well, almost saved my Christmas one there. Oh, I you me. need to fold
0: the
2: paper like I've done.
1: Oh, it's hidden one of mine. Um, so my first one is is business related. So mine's is see when you hear you hear us a lot on Twitter, and like in the kind of business development space in general. seeing people say things like, oh, if you can't take like X amount of time away from your business, then you don't have a business. You have a job. Mm-hmm. That really does my head in that. Cause I feel like business is just, it's whatever you make of it. There's all different, yeah. weird, are wonderful ways you can build a business. And just because somebody happens. So I, right now I can take a couple of days away from my business. I, I've taken as much as a week away from business. I can't take much longer than that, I don't want to either because yeah. it's my business, it's my livelihood and I'm still in the very early stages of it, relatively speaking, so I want to be there at the forefront building it and making it better and better, I, you know.
2: I think it totally it depends on where you're at in that stage in business as well, yeah, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah, If you want to, I mean there's going to be times where you're going to work, 10, 15 hour days, every day, you know, constantly, maybe you're launching something new, yeah, Maybe, maybe yeah. it's a new business. And there's going to become stages where you've maybe done that for three, four months in a row and you want to take that extended period of time. But I think like you said there, it comes down to like, do you, what do you want? Yeah. Do you want to take time
0: off, take time off, but you don't necessarily need to. um, If you're totally fine just working like that. Yeah. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, the, one of the accusations off the back of that initial statement isn't is is it not that, oh, you just have a highly leveraged job. Mm-hmm. So if for example, we've spoken before about personal trainers, mm-hmm. they are their business. And so people would say you don't have a business without you. And to some extent they would be correct, but I think they take it too far as you're saying, Chris, in terms of of course, if I withdraw from any business, if you're the, the CEO, the 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 operations director, whatever it is, when you're out of the business for a sustained period more than a week, because people don't get their annual leave signed off for hours on end. So of course you still have a a functional business when you step out of it for a short period of time, but Mm -hmm. I think anyone's stepping away for a long time. I think you need to
2: work insanely hard to get to the stage where your business is automated to an extent where you need to do nothing. And most, even if you can get there, you probably, I would say you don't want to get there because you want, you you want to be so heavily involved still. Uh, And I think most, you really get a business owner that's just in it to automate it and then fuck off. Like don't get me wrong. Some people start a business with the sole goal. I'm starting this to sell it in six years. I'm starting this to sell it. But On the most part, people are in business, people run a business because they're insanely passionate about what they're doing. So I I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. You see a lot
0: of founders when they sell out, they either start to get depressed and lose their purpose or they go and do something else as as soon as their covenant or whatever they've done allows them to. Or you have a lot of early debts and people that become financially free at at, Mm -hmm. an early stage as well. So it probably links into that in terms of if -hmm. you weren't doing what you really cared about, then maybe design a business that allows you to work as much as you're able to and are up to. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just think it's it like a, a bit of a false standard for people, almost an unattainable one. A lot of the time, you know, it's like, Oh, you've not got a business until like you say, you can take this time away from it. And it's like, well, is, like you say, is that really how you want to be starting out? Like if yeah. you're just starting out in business and you're holding yourself to that standard. And cause I mean, for, I'll give a personal example. I have now got staff working within my, within my business, two members of staff. And it's given us more time back for sure. And it's allowed us to take off more time for sure. But, like, say, a year, two years ago, yeah, I was writing every single email, scheduling every email, pitching every, I was doing absolutely everything in my business. So, I now have an appreciation of what that's like. So, I mean, maybe the people that work for me will tell you differently, but I now set fair expectations for them. I understand what it takes. I think if you go into a business, trying to escape it from day one or with that kind of criteria, it's like, okay, I need to get out of this as soon as I can. Yeah. It's like, I really don't think you're going to go far. I'm sorry, I really don't like, you need an appreciation for these things. You need to get, be at the face and get in with all the nuts and bolts. And then like you, we MTN, yeah. like you know every nook and cranny in that business. So when the coaches, when you're talking to the coaches, you do it from a position of like authority and understanding. Yeah. So yeah, I just feel like it's it's quite, it's, it's a misleading. I think you also thing. look at
2: like, I could, I could take <clears throat> maybe three or four weeks and do it zero and the business would kind of still run. But when I went back, what state would it really be in? Like I've got a lot of automation set up. I've got a lot of stuff like systemized in that respect, but you still need, you need innovation, especially with our business as well. You need to continually be adding new ideas and doing new things. And I think if the the founder is away from that, things start to slip pretty, pretty quick to be fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: so that opinion's one that's pushed online because somebody's probably got an axe to grind, don't they? In terms of all, oh, you don't have a business unless you're able to take time off or move mm-hmm. away from it mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty far-fetched isn't it yeah.
1: yeah i think it's quite i think it's quite an arrogant thing to say because it's obviously through their lens it's like oh yeah well, i can take time off my business you know i think like people always again we're all guilty of this but you look at it through your own lens and it's like well if i can take time off my business so that that's this must be the only way that's like me saying the only way that you can make sales and the only way that you can grow your business is if you have direct response copy in your business and it's not It's not true. Some operators will tell Mm. you it is and it's not. But like, that's just my biases coming through. So I feel like if you're maybe like a little bit more impressionable or whatever, and you you see that notion be put out there, you're like, all right, well, I'm working all the time. I've actually got a full-time job and then I'm doing business on the side. I'm working all the time. I must not have a business until I can take two weeks off. It's like, no, no, no. Don't worry. As soon as you've got a limited company letter through the door, And you've you got your business. You've got a business. Don't let some dweeb on Twitter tell you any different. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah,
0: agreed. That's one that we're not going to push back on, Chris. So that's yeah. been that's certainly signed off. Good start. As a, Good start. A, a nice. Unpopular opinion. That's, uh, that popular. sounds like a, a po- <laughs> po- popular at this table. Anyway, uh, we're maybe not the best demographic to ask.
1: No, nah, probably not. Probably not.
2: Same views on most things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: David, do you want to kick us
2: off with your list? I think I'm going to change the lower the tone, maybe. Um, mine's just to do with photo shoots and specifically females. It's usually females because guys tend to not do this. But when you're doing a fitness photo shoot, in my opinion, the idea is to, to to be honest, motivate the audience and show them what you're capable of and, and document the process. What I don't understand is people doing fitness shoots in lingerie, but in the gym, doing a lap building. I really don't understand this. So if you're going to do a fitness photo shoot, like pick one, do a lingerie shoot or do something in the gym. If you're doing something in the gym, it doesn't make sense for me, for you to be in high tops, but be in... Loungewear, underwear, doing a that pull down. I just don't fucking understand it.
0: I would go further and say I don't understand the lingerie shoots in the gym location at all, even if they aren't doing an exercise. Mm. Like I've seen a lot of that this year in particular. Yeah. There's been a huge push on that. And I get the whole female empowerment piece where um you probably feel at your best to feel sexy enough to put on a particular yeah. set of lingerie or whatever and, and as as men obviously we can appreciate that in terms of the aesthetics. However, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's How not it's not, it's not particularly fashionable. How
1: polite was
0: that <laughs> <laughs> it's not particularly aesthetic from a fitness perspective, is it? It's yeah. it's more it's yeah. a more sexual um type of shoot than a traditional Yeah, I've just never I've just never
2: understood it. It's like pick one like the, the twelve week peak for us is a massive thing. Like the sole idea is a photo shoot. Mm. But the idea is to come to the gym, get photos done in your in your underwear. Don't get me wrong, be in underwear if you like for like, you know the studio shoot or whatever. And if you want to go to the gym and get shots done, but like wear something that you would wear in the gym. I don't understand advertising your business with you in a thong but doing a bent over row. You're not going to be in the fucking gym doing that.
0: Do you think it's coaches that are the most guilty of that, David? No, I say. Nah, that? I think it's sluts.
2: No, I'm joking. Woo! <laughs> totally kidding. There we go. Totally kidding. Um, coaches do it a lot, but I also now think coaches are pushing that towards their clients to do. Um, and again, I'd, again, I, I'm not a female, so I actually, maybe just don't understand that. It. Maybe it is incredibly empowering for them to do that, and I'm sure, I'm sure there is a there, there is a, a side of that um, that's true. But I just think like if if so, the so the the job of a photo shoot for me and for my clients and for my company and our clients is to document your hard work and to maybe create images that are motivating for other clients, which if they're in the gym, like just be wearing gym stuff or have your top off, if you're a guy.
0: Yeah. Mm. Where's your head at, really, Chris? You? The guys do it.
1: That's from my hands guys like don't the guys wear lingerie, do so maybe it's definitely. The guys but... wear it. Like, the guys do it. Like I've, I'm totally like oblivious to this. Like genuinely, I've never really seen much of this. I don't really follow. So the I suppose lot of you would still control. get if I was
2: looking at like a lap pulled in for the other for the example that I set Sorry, there. I guys said, would do that with their, their top off, not in their pants, pair of shorts, some of their top off. But you, right? you do get gyms where you get people training with their tops with off. Their tops off. Yeah. Do you get gyms where you go in with high tops on and those knee warmer things uh and
0: lingerie probably not no no nah. so i just think it's i don't see a lot of that it's a thrust nah. trap you know what i mean right okay it is a thrust trap but how effective is it because if you're saying coaches are doing it yeah how many clients do you think are signing up based off that photo
2: i don't know because I, I do i do wonder if some women want to sign up because they're like i want to feel like that i want to feel sexy and whatever else but See that one sexy. It's, it actually makes me kind of
1: uncomfortable. Sexy.
2: Um, so maybe as effective. So maybe if you're a female coach, you're a listening, or you're a male coach and you've got your clients doing that, let me know if it's been
0: effective as a marketing tool. I, I, I just personally wouldn't use it. It just seems a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Like that particular type of clothing in a gym. I would yeah, think so.
1: I feel like you no, know, I thought, but I feel like if I, if I saw that, I'd be like, that's a bit weird. I, yeah. That'd be my initial reaction. Is like those two things don't go together.
2: Yeah, you know that's that's one's for place. only fans, once for Instagram.
1: I feel like I feel like that would probably be my initial reaction. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Colin, I think. What's what's next? What, what's in my unpopular <laughs> opinions? We'll go. We'll stick. We'll stick in the kind of
0: fitnessy theme. I know only a handful of people who have good physiques that do functional fitness. So functional fitness oh, this being great. Well, being, like this. Being, I love this. Functional fitness being a form of CrossFit or a kind of more athletic version than traditional strength training or bodybuilding. Yeah. Now, all of the people that I know that fall into that bracket are in one of the following categories. Either they did bodybuilding first for a number of years and built a great base, mm-hmm. they're using PEDs, or they have no. incredible genetics. So there's a lesson in that. If if aesthetics and looking better is your aim, functional fitness, unless you fall into one of those categories, is probably not your method of getting to where you want to get to in terms of looking a particular way.
2: Yeah. I've never met someone that started doing functional fitness and it's built an aspirational physique. Anyone that I know, like you said, there has came from a sporting background or a bodybuilding background and then moved into, and I think that's a testament to how effective bodybuilding training is for a a foundation of a physique and a foundation of strength, a foundation of of performance for like every area. Um, I think most people would benefit from doing a phase of bodybuilding training at some point in their life. I know we all have, and most of us still continue to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree there. I think most of the physiques that you see come from the fact that they're from a sport in a bodybuilding background or that they're on PDs.
0: It's so fashionable at the moment, functional fitness, and I actually think it has huge benefits. I've interviewed loads of guests who have spoken about the virtues of it, and I've, I've nodded along behind the mic saying, Yeah, excellent, I completely yeah. agree. However, if physique development is the primary goal i just disagree entirely because i think because it's so new and it's so fashionable we're talking the last two and a half three years probably yeah yeah. most of the people that have those physiques that you're seeing do these thrusters and burpees and assault bike they didn't they don't look the way they do based on that yeah and and that didn't contribute to the the rippling abs that you see in the, the the muscle mass
2: and i do think now people are selling programs off the back of like of the back off the back of their physique and the fact that they're now doing functional fitness it's like well no your physique was largely built through bodybuilding now you do functional so you had that base and now you're selling the hybrid, which is the classic program that I think everyone has a program now I've called I've never hybrid. heard of that before. Um, and it's, and it's such it's, a unique idea. <laughs> as selling... a marketer,
0: Chris, you can't have ever seen that
2: before. <laughs> if
1: you're listening, coaches, that's a great idea to call
2: it pro- uh, hybrid. So okay. it'll go with something more basic like the fat loss project. <laughs> <laughs> um, the so yeah, think, fitness project. <laughs> it's the same as if you look at bodybuilders selling programs <laughs> on how to get jacked and they're all on steroids and they're not admitting to that. Lover king. Um, it's, it's the same from functional fitness, you got all these athletes now that are selling programs to improve performance and aesthetics by doing a functional fitness program, but realistically, if you're wanting to improve, improve your aesthetics, it shouldn't be through um, functional fitness primarily anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: if you look like a fucking sock filled with custard, you shouldn't be doing thrusters or power cleans to try to transform your physique. <laughs> let's be honest it's ridiculous it doesn't make any sense like i'm so happy i'm not in the fitness industry in that capacity anymore i can just let rip on these things because yeah. it's nonsense like i think that what but to see when you're talking about like marketing it to people or like selling it to people i think the the general consensus from people who are in the kind of mass market is like oh yeah of course he looks at like that because people that are shredded are all athletic and they can all do those things so yeah. they might that must have what what got them into that shape do you know what i mean because that's Great what they time. always associate with it but it's not true it's just it's not the case
2: and some of the best looking physiques cannot perform that well so that's a good point yeah, exactly, the end of that. exactly. You look at some of the let's get bumstead the most under. it's not gonna happen so yeah yeah i think i think that's that's such a, a good point there.
1: yeah uh, I think it's just, it's just a misconception really and i think like like you say, they're just it's just a little bit of naivety in the mass market so they feel like and also i, th- I think it's really bad for people to perhaps go into that who are out of shape, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are out of shape. And it's like, you know what, maybe like just doing some basic bodybuilding work with a little bit of constructed cardio is the best thing for you as an entry level to get in, to get some quick wins, to feel a bit, to get, get a bit of a a passion for it and enjoyment out of it before you start going doing Fran, you know, yeah. and blowing out your ass in um, every workout.
2: I actually felt the need to launch like a functional fitness side of the 12 week peak this year. So we had like the male and female standard programs. And then I thought, you know what? Functional fitness is massive right now. Let's try and capitalize on this. And it was a terrible decision because it's one, it's totally out with what we generally do as a company. Um, and two, if I look at the results, um, from the people that had done the functional, which was only maybe 30 people out of 220 versus anyone else that had done the more bodybuilding-esque programme, the results in the in the bodybuilding. And maybe that's a larger talent pool of people, of course, but generally, like, if it's body comp results that you're after and it's a body comp programme, do body comp training, which is largely bodybuilding-based movements. Having done
0: the 12-week peak this year and pushed myself to get as lean as possible, the last thing I would want to be doing for my cardio yeah. instead of steps would have been something high intensity yeah. and high output in terms of on the assault bike or on the rower or in the, any form of that would have beaten me up so much because the next day I was going in to try and leg press the same yeah. of weight so I could hold on to the the muscle in my quads so that when it came to the, the, the photo it's, shoot, they were still as big as possible and as lean as
2: possible. It's, it's so hard to manage recovery with that intensity of training unless you have been consistently doing that for years. So people that add in, I had a client recently asked me if she could add in conditioning as part of her cardio rather than just the Stairmaster cross trainer or just steps. And I actually said, no, I was like, you, you probably could and you maybe can, but I'd rather you didn't because it's not going to allow you to maximize your recovery, which when you're dieting needs to be like one of the biggest things that you're aware of. Like how are you recovering from your sessions? It needs to be like top at last. The big thing for
0: me is adherence. <clears throat> However, functional fitness is probably easier to adhere to because it's slightly more enjoyable than the, the, the kind of mundane repetitive nature of some elements of bodybuilding. But if I'm talking to people who are like really, really aesthetic, amazing body composition physiques, you're not like I just don't think you're gonna get there. Yeah, as the aver- f- from an average starting point by doing purely functional no. fitness, and there's yeah. nothing gonna um, happen.
1: Just to think, ve- so when f- functional fitness, right, is about obviously we're talking more kind of CrossFit style workouts, right, and that that kind of idea. But see that branch of functional fitness where it's just a bunch of gimps doing like they've got like clubs and like Macy's and like all this weird fucking kettlebell like they've some, for example they've got, <laughs> they've got they've got like a six kilo kettlebell and it's like this uh, hit uh, kettlebell workout will torture you in six minutes and they do a squat with a six kilo kettlebell and it's got a, it. it a bicep curl I'm like, How if have you I like I missed this if you can squat it it's do if you can bicep curl it is do buck off of your squat yeah so like that, that that's another kind of level of functional fitness because i do i have genuine i'm not just making this up to make a point you've seen people do that in gyms and stuff and i just stand in amazement i'm just like you've obviously yeah. got and it's nothing against the person doing it you've obviously got some app or some guy on, on instagram that you follow and you're doing this mad. it's all but like flows so it's like, oh, let's do a lateral lunge you and a forward roll yeah. and then let's come up and swing a mace about our head and then, I don't know, do, uh, do a box jump yeah. and it's like, do that for five rounds yeah. and then clock out, that's you, you're all good. I'm like, good luck getting any results with that nonsense. I think it's
2: the same with bodybuilding. There, there's a, there's terribly programmed functional fitness workouts and there's terribly programmed bodybuilding. Oh, yeah, and, and, and there's, yeah, There's the great side of each. Like there's, there's some coaches out there that you probably would get decent results from a body comp standpoint doing functional, but they're few and far between, I would
1: have said. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Mm. Chris,
0: next unpopular opinion.
1: Oh, this is, this is good. Uh, You might not agree with this. Um, David, sorry. Um, working all the time is a sign of poor discipline, not hustle. So that's the people that can't switch off. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you are caught, this might sound like a contradicting about taking time off your business, but i just feel like if you are constantly working, constantly saying you're busy, constantly like adding to your to-do list like that to me that you're not busy you're not hustling you're not grinding you are you just aren't getting stuff done you're prioritizing the wrong things or you're just packing your days full of stuff that isn't important and mm. that and because of that you're not getting that switch off time now we all have different amounts of time we need to switch off but one thing that's true is you need that to, You see unless you're somebody like elon musk Right so let's let, let's get the outliers off the table unless you're somebody that's at the 0.1% of 0.1% on this planet you need to have time away from work so you can come yeah. back refreshed that's just there's yeah. no avoiding that so I feel like if you're just caught you know those people that are just like constantly on i on busy I'll get this I've got that I'm just like are you really or I feel like you're not really addressing the, the how, problem, how many
0: right? uh, how many blocks of deep work are you doing a day i've talked to david about this before right. but how many how many kind of blocks of work do you think you're doing like cause people talk about i i am contracted nine to five i am not working nine to five yeah, of course yeah. i'm not <clears throat> i probably do three or four hours of really good work Mm. And then the rest of the times a little bit reactive to emails and stuff like yeah. that as well. Whereas, and or or the rest of the time, I'm, I'll I'll go for a walk at once. I'll go to the gym at once. I'll 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 break up my day in that way. Whereas people are like, oh, I'm I'm constantly busy nine till five or yeah. ten till six or whatever your 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 working shift is that was where i would fall into the whole lack of discipline pattern are you checking tiktok during that are you are Mm -hmm. you actually answering the email that you're meant to be answering or are you going away from it to 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 do something else quickly and and fight fires but how many what does your working day look like chris in terms of deep work
1: deep work it's always done in the morning and it's one block of deep work it's usually around like in three four hours like i do um and then after that i'll try and go for a walk and then come back and i don't go into like reactive work I don't to be honest I don't have a lot of reactive work but the work I do when I come back after my deep work block is more about editing looking over the, the work so if, you know if my the corporate that works for us I'll look over how it's working copy chief it and do those yeah. kind of things it's more that kind of work which is easier to get through doesn't require as much kind of mental energy and focus but for that deep work session I've got I think it says before I've got noise cancelling headphones I've got You know, can you sit for what three um, four hours I easily like, really? yeah I can do that yeah I can man, do that okay. I, well I, I have like, I'll be um, same song on repeat, locked yeah. it. Just like go, you know, I mean, the, the only time I need to get up off my chair is PR if I need to go to the yeah. toilet or something. But like, I'm locked in on that, on that, on those tasks now. Yeah. But the thing is, I do within that deep work block, I do go between. So, say I've got like. Two or three campaigns today or whatever yeah. it is it's not as if i'm just doing like the one, one thing, thing. Yeah. like so i used to get confused because i used to think like is that what people do they just do like one thing because a lot of the deep work stuff came from like cal newport and, stuff, and like a lot of the times the examples were like coding examples and it's like oh i'm just doing this piece of code yeah. so i'm just like rattling this out but i found that i can switch between tasks just as long as i complete it and then move on complete it then move on
2: yeah i think something quite freeing for me this probably this past year is just realizing that you're never done and that's mm-hmm. actually allowed me to switch off more because I think in the past I was like, no, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to. And it's like prioritising, you can't prioritise more than one thing. Like priority is one thing. And I think I, I definitely was getting in the past of like, no, I need to get all this stuff done. Whereas now, I think genuinely just a belief this year was like, I'm never going to be done. Like as soon as I've done that list, there is another list. Mm-hmm. And like you are never going to be done as a business owner. I, th- I think that's proper freeing for me. Because even before I came out today, I was I was doing a little bit of work and I was like, i could get that done i was like oh, do you know what it'll still be there tomorrow it isn't life or death and if it was life or death it would have been done by now That's if it was right. really going to affect me Absolutely. in a positive way it would have been done by now so i think with those things and you do you do like everyone works to to deadlines um and, and they don't need to be by a specific day but like you'll just slowly replace or quickly replace whatever the most important thing is you'll do at the start of the day whatever the the lesser of importance things are that was a Terrible use of English there. Um, they'll just get pushed back and back. And then the things that you push back slowly just come forward as you get things done. So yeah, I think that is a big, I suppose, release for me this year knowing that I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to be done realistically.
0: Yeah. I, I like that because the goalposts are ever shifting in terms of the demands that you want to do to grow your business and grow your, career or whatever aspect you're working in as well so i completely agree chris that people that are always seem to be working flat out and hard they probably lack discipline to do some of the deep work blocks that we are talking about and tick off some of the tasks that need done that are life for this but because if you're constantly all out work and there's no opportunity to stop or pause then you're probably not doing well enough in the time that you are spending working in my book like I, i always find it bizarre that people are like, in the corporate world, I'll get an email at, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm thinking, what were you doing between half three and five o'clock yeah. that didn't enable you to do this? Like, What yeah. came up? Like, how much TikTok did you watch? How much LinkedIn did you do? Like, like what were you up to that yeah. didn't allow you to do this work during the allotted hours that are that are happening? You're yeah. now swaying over it at that, at that time of night.
1: I think that's a little bit of... A little bit of arrogance involved in that as well. A little bit of peacocking is a better way yeah, to put it. You know, you. like, look at me, I'm working at this time, you know, and like, whenever, I, again, whenever the question comes up, it's always, I would say you maybe get it more in the corporate world purely because, like, they want to be seen to be, you need to be noticed to, to, to get promotions and things like that. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's probably more of a thing. Because I've known people like that, I think people in my family like that, that, are just like constantly talking about like, oh yeah, I'm, oh, I'm doing this, oh yeah, I'm working all the time. And I just feel like going, mm-hmm. fucking... You've been at this a long time, mate. Have you not got a handle on this yet? You know, yeah, yeah. like and how much <laughs> how are you still doing that? <laughs> how are you still doing that? Like, you know, like fair enough. If if it's if it's the beginning of your career or the big like we said earlier, the beginning of your business. Like when it was the beginning of my business, which was during lockdown and Jill was still on the police, so she's working shifts. Yeah, I worked. 10, 15 hour days. Absolutely yeah. hundred percent Yeah. And I've done it for months and months and months in a row. But it gets to a point where you're like, I need to take a break for this. And do you know what? My work wasn't very good. Wasn't yeah interesting wasn't very good
2: quality i think yeah I, I've, I've been able to sorry david get back to, <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> i know what you're talking about <laughs> um yeah i think i've i've managed to not be frustrated at not being able to work better than ever this year so like if i've got days where i'm like fuck, i can't concentrate on this in the past i'd beat myself up and i'd be like no i need to sit here and i need to get something done now i'm like nah i'll start tomorrow uh, and this year again like i've definitely learned a lot from a business perspective this year or from a, a belief perspective and like like i said if i'm never going to be done and it's going to be shit quality right now i'll just do it tomorrow when it's better quality and I actually feel i have a better level of you know um concentration or things like that and a lot of that concentration comes from taking more time off and if i find myself constantly putting out shit or stuff that's stuff that's taking me three hours it should be taking me one i'm like i just need a bit of time off mm-hmm. i need to take a few days here um and then come back to it with a kind mm-hmm. of fresh brain
1: you'll learn that like um, the hard way <laughs> The hard way, yes. yeah but also it's almost gonna um i think it's something that writers or like people do about this corporation you, you learn that very quickly mm-hmm. because just because of the nature of the task you're doing because it is like creative and all the rest of it you do find very quickly it's like oh i actually can't write anymore today because when you sometimes yeah. when you do try and push through don't be wrong sometimes it's it's decent sometimes it's passable but it's never your best work so mm-hmm. I feel like that's something you learn. That's one of the benefits to what I do is that you learn that very quickly. It's like once you start writing words and then you read back and you go, that is absolute dribble. Yeah. Then you know, right, okay. That doesn't need edited. That needs deleted. You know it's time to eh? call it a day.
0: I never know who to credit with this quote, but discipline equals freedom. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that. So right. if you can be disciplined in the hours that you do choose to work, then you you give yourself the freedom to go yeah. and do some Things totally. in your free time and enjoy them, and okay. also changing some of the wiring or discussions that you have for yourself inside your head, David. Totally. About when I'm actually going to be done. Let's be dis- let's be disciplined about having time off as well, and yeah. realizing that yeah. tomorrow I'll do a much better job on yeah. it if I if I play through today and do a half-assed job. Yeah.
1: I, I, did, I had a conversation myself four hours ago because I was out on a call with somebody, and then I was heading back to the office, and I was like, oh, I need to get back and get this done. And I walked by the hairdressers, and the, and I was like, I really need a haircut, but I was like, No, I'm not got time to get a haircut. And I just stopped. I was like have a fucking word to yourself yeah, i've got I a podcast give, tonight give i need not, to look good for, this? good for these cameras i was like i'm getting a haircut
0: do you know how many people ask about chris's hair routine after every <laughs> podcast it's ridiculous that, isn't it chris? Thing, that's for sure <laughs> Wait,
1: well every time cool. though chris isn't every it time, yeah it is every time every time i meet people in person they say two things they say <laughs> <laughs> what do they say Chris? they say you're massive mate get the size of you you're an absolute unit how do you fix your hair <laughs> It, say, is, it is too
2: common I've heard both of them on yeah. multiple occasions Yeah, my, my birthday this year
1: yep Bryce 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 actually took a step back when he saw me I was like that's a bit far mate <laughs> <laughs> but I, I take the compliment, though such I was, it. such was my radius yeah I just wanted to go home after that because the night was shit. after that he <laughs> 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 went downhill rapidly right next
2: unpopular opinion David you're up uh, I'm actually going to con- kind of combine two of mine um the the first one i suppose is that sadness is an integral part of happiness and it links in with another one that was gonna put which was comparison isn't the thief 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 of joy and what i mean by that is like i think for so long people chase happiness they chase happiness chase happiness but you can't actually experience being happy and, and that actual feeling of happiness without ever feeling sad you need to actually have something to compare that to Uh, and that's why i'm kind of discrediting the quote as much as i sent an email on it three weeks ago um comparison is a thief of joy i'm discrediting it in this regard in the sense of you actually need comparison in a lot of areas of your life to actually feel the the highs when they're high and to feel the lows when they're low when they're low and i think this goes for like motivation as well like you need to feel long periods of feeling fucking unmotivated to then get the high of like shit I feel fucking amazing right now, I feel super motivated um, and I think it, it goes for pretty much any human emotion, I think people need to strive for actually just feeling all the fucking emotions that you're meant to feel rather than like I just want to be happy because if, if you're if you just happy all the time, the happiness you feel won't be that fucking
0: good It's all relative isn't it? It is all relative indeed I think it's one of my favourite things that you've spoken about this year online David is about that fact that I'm actually recognising I'm having a sad period just now, yeah I'm not diagnosing myself with a, a mental yeah. health condition, which is another thing that we can get on to. But it's, it's very important that you recognize that, yes, this is not the best period, but it makes me appreciate the period after this when I am at operating a more happy level because there's a noticeable difference in totally. feeling. And if you walked around at that happy level all the time, of course, like you say, it would just become the new normal. You would adapt to that yeah. and that would become mundane and boring and, and the same so the human experience is, is meant to have unduations it's, in terms of how we feel
2: it goes back to what we're talking about a minute ago about productivity like if i had didn't have periods where i didn't feel unproductive like my, one of my favorite feelings ever is when i'm just flying through work like you get in a state of flow, whatever you want to call it and you're just flying through stuff you're just ticking off loads of shit you're getting loads of stuff done that's moving the business forward that's making you money it's helping people but you don't really get the high of feeling that without the feeling, the days that you're just like, oh, fucking, I hate my business today. I don't mm. enjoy anything that I'm doing right now. And you, you do, you need to experience that. And you need to, again, in the past, I'd have got frustrated at that. And I'd have been like, why can't I get this done? I'd, I'd feel so bad about it. Whereas I just completely own it now. I'm like, fine, I have days like this. Um, sometimes it's because I fucking ended up boozing too much and it's actually my fault. And even then I'm now like, you know, this is my fault, deal with it. Uh, You're going to feel great again. And again, the the other popular quote, this too shall pass. It's such a relevant quote in this regard. Like you're never, you're you're generally not going to feel that shit for long. Like it's never going to be that long unless you are, you know, chronically depressed, things like that. On the most part, you're all going to have feelings of like complete lows, but they do, they make the highs, you know, that much higher.
1: So, so playing devil's advocate a little bit, I think that. I do agree with that, but see for you, like see on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So you've got pretty well, well, know very well ingrained habits mm-hmm. and practices. Yeah. So when you feel sad, you keep up those things for the most part. Yeah. But unfortunately for other people, how they feel affects how they act. There's a much stronger correlation between the two. Yeah. So if I, if I feel sad, well, you know, I'm then just going to go and, you know, not look after myself which then prolongs the sadness i feel like yeah 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 Yeah. whereas like somebody like yourself or if you have good and because i totally agree because i've i I do the same thing like if i'm feeling a bit a bit you know a bit kind of a bit shitty i'm like it's all right i'm gonna just get on with it i'm still gonna do the things that look after my you know what I mean yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not I'm going to carry this mood around yeah. with me I'm not going to take it out on other people I'm still going to eat well I'm still going to train I'm still going to do my usual routine and that probably means that we and a lot of other people get out of well. it a lot quicker yeah. but I feel like if you are somebody who doesn't do those things I feel like if you're like oh yeah I'm sad Right. okay I'm just going to feel my sadness then you're fucking in a We'll we'll look at this
2: time of the year, this time of the year is a prime example. Everyone's got, you know, six to eight things that make them feel good, whether it's tracking their food, getting their steps in, weight training, meditating, whatever it is, you've got all these things and generally you complete them on the most part, 80, 90% of the year. Comes to December, you ditch all of them and you start feeling like shit. I know this from personal experience from the last four days where I've (laughs) drank an insane amount of beer. I've not moved, I've not trained, I've not got any steps, I've not got any fresh air. And I felt like shit this morning, but like Chris said, I've got the discipline to be like, no, like today I need to train. I need to sort my to-do list. I need to sort shit out. And then like straight away, I was feeling better. Trained this, trained this afternoon, went a little bit of a walk. I'm like, I feel good again. And that's put me into that kind of positive cycle of success, whereas as soon as you kind of take out one of those things that do that you do to make you feel good, you start replacing it with things that make you feel bad. i.e., booze, eating shitty food, lying on the couch. Um, So yeah, you're right, I do have the habits mostly ingrained that allow me to get out of my funk pretty quick and most Mm. people probably don't but again they probably come from years of not having them and then years of them slowly slowly being built in so yeah i think that's a really yeah their
0: their sad periods are far longer and probably deeper because they haven't got the same level of self-awareness of how they can maybe get themselves out of it i think one of the most important contributions that has been made to the mental health conversation in the last year or two has been andrew huberman talking about the mind will follow the body yeah, and that's exactly what you're saying there, in just other terms. In terms of if I know that I'm doing these things which involve me taking action with my body, my mind will follow to some extent. Yeah, mm, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I had a gentleman on the podcast called T J Power, who's a British neuroscientist, and he's very similar. He talks about four hormones. What a name! T J Power is good, as a it? T J it? Power. T J uh, is a good name.
1: Is that his real name?
0: I assume so. Fucking I don't
1: outstanding, know. Power, Mister Power. Sorry, carry
0: on. Great name. Well done, TJ. Yeah,
1: well done, TJ. Sorry. Shout out (laughs) to TJ.
0: Chris Chris, Chris has got some great ideas for your marketing. Yeah, (laughs) so many. So many. (laughs) uh, TJ was talking about four different hormones within the brain and all of them were managed and actioned by things that you could do with your body or you could could speak about with somebody else or you could do with somebody else. And I think that's extremely empowering to recognize that I'm in this sad period just now, but the great phrase that you said is that this too shall pass. Yeah a lot of the time with actions that we can control to a large extent ourselves, which I think is a very positive, empowering thing rather than falling into a hopeless cycle. That's something Mm. that I've been quite
2: naive on in the past because I've been like, you know what? You're actually not depressed. You've not got anxiety. You just need to do these things. And like, that is it. And I was totally naive about it. But like the thing is like Chris said, like people can't do it. That's fucking why they're, that's why they feel like that. Mm. They they, they they physically can't get out walking. They can't get to the gym. They've got chronic anxiety about going to the fucking gym. Whereas in the past, I was always like, just get up and go to the gym like you're gonna feel better for it because mm. i actually know that they will but like they can't do the act of getting to the gym so it's yeah. it's, it's kind of building things up slowly.
1: but i think that um again fitness teaches us a lot is like the skill the kind of personal skill of doing things that you don't want to do i think that comes into it as well yeah. so it's like i'll go a lot of people and again i I forget this all the time should you do like a lot of people just do the right things for themselves when they feel like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like going to walk with it. I feel like going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like going to the gym so I'm not going to go. Whereas I feel like, uh, I'm not trying to get all philosophical about going to the gym, right? Because some of that does my tits in. But like, if you, if you're, you're a that, Spartan going to work, yeah, 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 In the trenches. You're in the in, in the trenches, <laughs> <laughs> I know, fucking, okay, now you're a shark. Um, <laughs> that so, was one of my favourite clips from, <laughs> was that episode 100? Right? Yeah, yeah that Was, yeah, that, was good. that like last year? Last yeah, year, yeah. I, uh, but like that, you know, you, you, you used to like, again. How many times have you wanted to stop a set short of your target reps? How many times have you wanted to stop a workout shot? I've got a session in my program just now, and it's eight rounds, 90 seconds on the assault bike. And every week I go i'm not doing that yeah. there's no way i'm doing that but there's another voice in my head that goes but you're gonna sit in the bike you're gonna sit your fat ass in the bike. you're gonna do it yeah right but like so for some people that voice isn't there and that yeah. they've not had those life experiences where they've pushed so, social, so they're just like they're very they're, they're a very reactive state with yeah. also no self-awareness which is hard yeah. hard place to be yeah it's huge
0: you know i i, I really like that i think experiencing right. the range of emotions mm-hmm. is so important that we recognize that it's part of the human experience. Yeah. The the kind of second element that we've maybe not touched on as much there was around comparison, David. And oh. it's not necessarily the the thief of, thief of joy. I'll always bring us back to worry. The, mm. the thief the thief of joy. How yeah. am I not managing that word? Thief of joy. That, joy. Isn't a it? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, operating a lower level today, but I'll perk up. <laughs> right. So, I think that when I look at other podcasters, for example the vast majority I'm motivated by how well they're doing. I'm like, or I'm pleased for them or I'm like, Oh, that was interesting that they spoke about that topic. Maybe I should consider that. It's interesting. They did their clips in that particular way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I suppose some other people would look at others within their field and jealousy becomes yeah, really bad or, or I compare off. myself. Yeah, so right. I see, for example, somebody's hit Oh, just announced hit a million downloads. And I'm thinking, I've not got a million downloads. I haven't even got half you that. You feel bad about it. I feel bad yeah. about that. That's, that's part of the human condition as well. Yeah. But following people that you understand that their circumstances are perhaps different to yours. Maybe they've done more work than you. Maybe they're just more talented than you as well. Like that's fine too. And understanding that you can compare yourself to them without necessarily comparing every single facet of your life in terms of how they do that. Equally, one of the examples that... People give on podcasts all the time is you could compare your golf ability to Tiger Woods, but you haven't suffered the same way that Tiger Woods has to become a master of his craft. Michael Jordan, we all watched that documentary, didn't we? Nobody was operating, even the other professional basketball players he was playing with on the same level of him as him. Nobody was torturing themselves to the same extent. Yeah. So how can you possibly compare yourself to his feats? Yeah, I think it's a character trait
2: that is Either, not that you have it or you don't, because it can definitely be developed, but like how you view other people, some people view it in a negative light, like you said there, and some people view it in a a more positive way, and I, I think it is something that needs developed, and it's not something that I've always had on like, oh that person's fitness business is fucking flying. In the past, or even probably still with certain people, it's not unmotivating, but it doesn't make me feel good and positive where there's others that I'm like, oh, they're fucking smashing it. Like, that's so inspiring to see. So I think it is, like, I think it's something that you can develop and work on and you can get better at using comparison as a source of motivation rather than something that demotivates you. Or me. learning as well. I'm yeah. saying
0: there, I'll look at somebody, how maybe they're doing their clips or maybe how somebody's recorded their intro or maybe a type of guest that they've got on yeah. or maybe how they phrased a question. I'm thinking... I'm not as good at that. Maybe I should consider like yeah. upskilling in that regard. Sure. Equally, of course, like I've seen somebody will get a guest on. And I'm thinking, wow, like I'm mm. gutted. I didn't get them, and yeah. I'm maybe a bit, I'm a bit but jealous that well, they managed that. that. Yeah.
1: Exactly that. We <laughs> managed matters. to get you too. That's uh, the most
0: important the thing. thing. thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. You ready? You ready for this? Comparison's not a thief. It's a target. I like that, you like that. I'm going That's to say, target of joy. I'm going to say that down. <laughs> is not a thief. It's a target. There's a clip right there. I looked in the camera <laughs> when I said that. No, but I think it's true that you, yeah. you can I think if you again you got self awareness, mm-hmm. then you can look at people and be like, oh yeah, like you just said there. Oh yeah, I'd love to get. I love to get my version of that. Not yeah. exactly that. But even with, like, um, with physiques and stuff, like that, because a lot of the time it is a help. Comparison yeah. as a thief of joy is helpful when it comes to physiques because yeah. we all know you're never going to look exactly like somebody. Yeah. But it still can be helpful to be like, I'm sure people have been comparing themselves to the results from the 12-week peak yeah. last year and saw, saw the photo shoots and saw that gym packed with all those shredded people and going yeah i want some of that that's arguably comparison yeah but it's hit done in a healthy way so yeah as l- uh, so as long as it's done me a bit of perspective there's I think an email can, on that chris it can be a target like You'd it. Better believe it is. <laughs> but yeah i completely agree
0: i think i think if we can use comparison in the right way it can be very valuable but yeah. equally like all human emotions that were mentioned there jealousy is part of that as well envy yeah. like you you should accept that you feel a little about that sometimes when you see things mm. okay. something i'm definitely not jealous of uh, my <laughs> my uh, my next unpopular opinion Balenciaga shoes are a social experiment.
1: <laughs> they are honking, I aren't
0: ugly, they? that. man. Right, bear, 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 bear with me. It's okay? even better so, with the
2: brand, the way it's gone now. Well,
0: know. this is why I think it's a social experiment. One, I think the shoes are of a, an aesthetic that I think it's a test of how much are you willing to pay to demonstrate your status and your earning power that you can buy these mm-hmm. shoes and your means. Because everyone knows they're expensive. Yeah. But... Also, a lot of people, if they were to put on a a George badge or a a Tesco badge or even like an M and S badge, you probably wouldn't pay that money for them because it wouldn't yeah. convey the same sense of relative status and fashion Definitely. that you get from buying Balenciaga. And by signalling that I can pay for these shoes, it's like a it's it's like oh, it's a it's a status thing where you're like all oh, right, I'm super super powerful, but in reality we all know that they probably look pretty dreadful and yeah. that. I don't think a fraction of people would buy those shoes if it didn't have social acclaim and status related to them. And I think it's a the social experiment is it's a test of how much people are willing to waste and I think it's a waste to buy these particular shoes and the next strand to it is with all this paedophilia stuff coming out and the kind of dark background to it it's a test, are you willing to stand behind this brand that you've championed for such a long time or are you just going to disregard the fact that they've got such a murky social status I think
2: everyone listening to this will agree because no one that wears Balenciagas would listen to this do you think so? Yeah, you can let me know if you wear Balenciagas I think um, people have been, probably, tri- probably I think fucking people watching, fucking awful.
1: Probably watching CBeebies with subtitles on. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dafties, man. Honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, I used to rant about big
2: shoes all the fucking oh, time. Oh man. Like, I used real, to, I, every story I used to be like, what the fuck are they? Like I hate them. Like they're, they're, they're just awful looking. Yeah. And again, mm. I actually was always totally against, you know, paying that much for a pair of shoes. But as of late, I've spent a stupid amount of money on a pair of trainers quite recently. Probably the most expensive cl- clothing, piece of clothing, um, that I've ever bought and w- one they actually look nice do you know what I mean but two like I totally did buy them for the I know that people with status will actually you know people comment on that there is there's definitely an element of that same with buying a new car there's always going to be an element of that um,
0: but, I think you recognise that I think yeah. a lot of the people that have been sucked into the Balenciaga trap do not recognise that they are part of a social experiment yeah. that they're using <laughs> it to signal
1: Yeah. but I, I think I think like for if you look back there's always been examples of that like I remember when like sorry i remember it's still a thing i think you know like the like if you bought like a really expensive belt and it's got the the, the logo on the belt buckle it, like... the only part of the t-shirt <laughs> that was tucked in, in is as well. the bit that's showing oh, off that the belt buckle do you know but Taking like that. i was i, I was um... there's some
0: photos of me at jelly baby back in the day doing is it a Gucci
1: belt yeah, yeah. is it <laughs> i've got i had a hermes one
0: as well yeah oh nice nice
1: nice bad um, let's not go into your youthful fashion choices. Cause I will not come out well in that conversation nah, I at fucking, all. I was a fucking emo. Uh, you're a wee dweeb, you? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I, I mean, I think, but I think see, in terms of, like status, the first thing I, I thought of there was like, I don't know why, but if you look at like, even, um, like tribal populations, like they, they they literally modify their bodies. Like that doesn't look good to like having a, like plates in your like mm-hmm. relatively so speaking. You can stretch the ears and stretching stuff. Stretching the ears yeah, and things, things like that. But that. you know, a lot of that is again is is to do with states. And you can go back and look throughout history, like even like go back to the Chinese and they're, they're binding their feet yeah. so that the woman's feet doesn't grow beyond a certain size. There's always been really weird displays in terms of fashion and looks mm-hmm. of your status. Um, but I think like, the Balenciaga thing is just... Is where, but I, do, I do agree. Cause I remember, I was with you the first time I realised how, how much Balenciaga's cost because we were in Manchester oh, and we right. went into Selfridges and you went, De- <laughs> there's Dale's shoes and I went, one well, we'll go look at these and I went over and they were £645 yeah. and I nearly dropped a shit on the floor in Selfridges. I, I could a, not believe that people were paying that much money for those trainers. Uh, how they I, looked in terms how of the aesthetic, looked, yeah. They looked, I had a
2: client that showed up to... Uh, a train modelling client is very irregularly but I had a client... Two months ago, show up to the gym in a pair of these Balenciagas, and they're called they're called like trail uh, not trail runner, What are they called? They're called like runners. They're called Balenciaga runners. She showed up in these, and I was like, you can't train in them. Like, you physically cannot. They're fucking massive. They're like boats. I was like, you can't train in them. I was like, you need, have you get socks on. She said, I'm not gonna get socks on. I was like, you can't. You actually can't train in them. Like <laughs> the they're spongy sole and stuff. Well. And this, they're just fucking huge. Aye. You can't. And then she was like, oh really? I've been wearing these because they say trainers or They say trail runner whatever the fuck it says on it. Um, yeah, they're just god awful. That's that's not an unpopular opinion, hopefully. Hopefully that's a popular opinion. They're yeah. fucking terrible. I wonder if their stock is their stock like plummeted then. Since all this shit surely I'm not, it has, I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure because there was some mad conspiracy theory, wasn't there, about like the sh- the, the, the 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 designer of of the or whoever was in charge. Or I know they made some scapegoat out of somebody at some marketing agency, but whoever was in charge had made a reference to child sacrifice or child or, or paedophilia in another campaign. Yeah. There was yeah. some kind of subtle reference to it. Um, so I mean, you'd like to think that would tank the brand, but I don't. I don't yeah. know if it will, to be honest with you. I know yeah. that people like Kim Kardashian and stuff have. Of the of the distance race. themselves, right, okay. disaffiliated. Yeah yeah, 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 from from them. So they'll come back with a new campaign. we an extra couple million. Should yeah. be back. Again yeah. not <laughs> at all. Listen, hey, new cycle keeps rolling, doesn't <laughs> it? People, people I, are quick to forget, man. I do
0: think in general, like things like that, that signal status, but are like are generally, if you if you did like a a blind test in terms of like showed people yeah. these items without the branding on it, you'd be like nobody's buying them. nobody for the cost that you're putting against them nobody's paying that so Mm -hmm. there's a huge element of if I'm paying 600 pounds for a pair of trainers it must be cool
2: if you look at like wine or champagne things like that the amount of like tests that have been done by like what they call sommeliers Sommeliers. Sommeliers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, and they get them to taste like either the exact same wine three times and they just tell them it's three different price points or they they get them to taste multiple wines and none of them can fucking guess what the most expensive wine is but when you're in a restaurant and you're taking a client out, for example, in your, in your um, field, you're going to order. Like for me, I always go like, what's the middle one? Don't want to be the most expensive. Don't want to go cheapest. I'll go middle. But a lot of people in those circumstances because what's the most expensive one I can buy? Because it adds that status. doesn't fucking matter if it tastes any better. Because in the most part, they all taste the same. Similar anyway.
0: Um, so yeah, it's kind of similar in that sense. It's funny. And I, I, <clears> I recognize that the pair of shoes that you've bought, David, while well, they were expensive and they are a signal to some extent, at least aesthetically you really like them. Yeah. I would pay good money to say that most people that are, they don't like how book, they look. They, they like d- the status solely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Solely yeah. the status. Like, cause yeah. no, nobody's telling me if they, if they were George that you're buying them. Yeah. Or yeah, they are a bargain. They were five quid. Yeah. Nobody looked terrible. Yeah. I,
1: th- I think that's, that's a really good, that's a really key point in it. It's like, do you actually like these things or are you just buying them because that, no, yeah. We clothes you want, right? Don't listen to me. I'm not the fucking, I'm not a like it was, it was always the same to me. See, when Bran started coming back into play, that was like that when I was a wee fila. guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I was going to say. See, when I was, even, uh, just for context, listeners, I'm 31 years of age, almost 32, right? When I was a wee guy, if you wore fila, good luck. Yeah. You got dogs abuse, um, right? That you get slated for wearing yeah, por- and a essay <laughs> and all I that, did. you know, and like those. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, they became they became really cool again. So I do wonder, like. Man, do you really think that's cool yeah I, start, like, I started wearing you know.
0: a shorts to Ibiza when I went on holiday in, yeah, yeah. in like 2017 2018 yeah. if you'd done that when I was in secondary school well, they'd be 18. like why are you wearing a lazy I remember
2: Aye. in high school everyone was getting a lacoste trackie like everyone and I wasn't even one of the fucking Neds that would wear lacoste trackies or trackies in general but that's what I'm on. like get me a trackie it needs to be lacoste Got me a fucking high tech trackie. Oh god! <laughs> and I didn't know high tech was a shit brand. So I went at school the next day, oh man, I get fucking pounded. <laughs> Gola, Gola shoes was the other ones. Everyone, everyone was getting K Swiss. So oh. Instead, I get k Swiss. Don't get me wrong, but my mom and dad actually we were on skin. I didn't grow up, but mom used to spend all the money on holidays. We'd always go to. A of year, your, val- is, your values were totally class, different, yeah. And I'm so glad she done that rather than dress me in. Le Costa case swiss but that was another one gola shoes yeah. and i remember she wouldn't let me wear them at my school so i used to take my this <laughs> is so irrelevant i used to take my i used to put on my school shoes and put my gola shoes in my school bag and as soon as i get through the gates i'd change mm-hmm. into my, my fucking gola shoes Brilliant. amazing uh,
1: unpopular place. opinion for you chris what does that mean um oh this actually ties in with what you were saying um this is a quote from a book that i actually recommended to you David, um behavior regulation is the most essential personal skill for achieving your goals. And my add-on to that quote is uh, more essential than discipline, work ethic, all those things. So, behavioral behavior re- regulation. What book's that from, Chris? um the Mind. Designing Your Mind. Right. The, um, psych- the Psychotecture. It's a concept called Psychotecture. I've read that again.
2: That's that's one of the best books I've re- I've only read it once. Uh huh. And it's one that I'm, as soon as I read it, I was like, I'm going to come back to this and just read bits of it. It's a yeah. f- phenomenal book, actually. I yeah. just like changing behaviour and, and yeah. how you actually create behaviours as well, which yeah. is obviously relevant to that quote. Every
0: time I say Atomic Habits in the podcast, a klaxon goes off because I've said it so many times. <laughs> but it links to behaviour change as well, doesn't it? Where yeah. if you can change how you react to different cues and stimulus, then it's going to be much awesome. better than... Yep goals or discipline or work ethic or anything like yeah.
1: that I, I think in my, when i first read that are, very quick of good thing about that book is you have like um really good chapter summary so see when you go back through it and read mm-hmm. it it summarizes the main points of the end of each chapter so it's one that you should always keep on you because dipping in and out of it especially like we were saying another one maybe you're feeling a bit down or a bit sad it's a really good one to have nearby to go in mm-hmm. to just dip into but i feel like yeah when we're um that is like the foundation of everything, isn't it? Because you might say, oh, I'm really disciplined, but something out with your control can come in and fuck up your discipline. You know, like you have an issue at work or you have a family issue, you have an argument with somebody, all of a sudden you've got these emotions that are bubbling up inside you that are just wreaking havoc with your discipline. And if you are able to control those emotions, then you are able to stay the path for longer.
2: Would you say there's something that you've done that's allowed you to get better at behaviour regulation or is there things that you think people can do to better manage that <clears throat> or do you think it's very much it stems from the beliefs when you're growing up it st- stems from the influences you've had as a mm. genetic thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. i think um this isn't something everybody can do but for me so for me personally one thing that helped me was um working in hospitality and dealing with difficult people because mm-hmm. it did help me be a bit more empathetic first start and it did help me stay in the moment a lot more and have a bit more presence yeah. that's something else he talks about in the book is about presence and awareness and being in the moment and what that actually means because that sounds very hippy-dippy but it actually means that you're switched on it doesn't mean that you're floating away mm-hmm. you know into some spiritual place it actually means that you are picking up on uh, the signals of different people and, and what they're actually saying um but honestly to see off the back of that i feel like um working with with uh, with jill who's my fiance in the business, bring her into the business. That's probably been the biggest because we are polar opposites on certain things. So being able to, when she like perhaps have a certain take on something, my initial reaction at first, and we don't have a remotely confrontational relationship at all, but my initial reaction is to be like, what what are you talking about? What, What does that mean? In my head, but I had enough of it to slow down and be like, all right, okay this is what you, I think this is what you mean. And then I would ask her, so do you mean this? And then it turned into more of a conversation rather, because before, if I didn't control emotions, I would have just been angry or confused or dismissive, which is not helping anybody. So, so I feel like that helps.
2: So do you think it's consistently exposing yourself to people, views, yeah, places, things that yes. have got a different opinion from you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with on that, like hiring Emma, my assistant yeah. last October. Emma's completely fucking different from me. Like yeah. completely different worldview. Maybe not completely different, but like very different worldviews. She's a, she grew up in a farm. She's up. her family are farmers. She's very shy when you first meet her, maybe not <laughs> once you get to know her, but she she's very shy in that regard. And bringing her into the business and working with her pretty closely over the last years allowed me to kind of see holes in some of my behaviours. Like yeah, I'm so yeah. fucking impatient. Like it's it's horrendous. You'll know from working with me. Like if I get an idea in my head like I want it done then even if I'm just exposing someone to that idea same with Emma I'm like why have you not done that I told you about it four minutes ago Um, (laughs) I'm really bad for that Um, and I think I suppose my behavior regulation in that regard needs to definitely improve like I'm super impatient with her in that regard but being exposed to that is allowing me to see that I'm like that because I notice these things but again I've got quite good self-awareness some people maybe don't um but yeah super interesting I like that one yeah
0: mm-hmm. environment design is the big part of behavior change isn't it so yes. like and a big part of that is what you've just mentioned there the people you surround yourself with is a mm-hmm. huge part of your environment mm-hmm. isn't it they probably have some of the largest input to it
1: yeah but i feel like sometimes like that can get risk so i would say like yeah expose yourself to people or like surround yourself with people that you that do think different from you but make sure you like them do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I feel like, again, if you consume a lot of the content online yeah. and it's all about like, you know, if you get into the whole again debate sphere, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, we need to go to college campuses and debate all these big issues yeah. and you know, I'm right, you're left, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that is a shit show, right? You're never gonna you're never gonna learn behaviour mm-hmm. regulation that way. Yeah. But I feel like like you say, like you and I got on great. Yeah. me and Jill, well, my fiance. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so, that's some, so you have to have some kind like of like level. respect yeah, for the person yeah, totally. so you can actually, because you and I are quite different in some regards yeah. as well, because that's, like there's. I'm not just saying this to make you feel better, but one thing, I am a little bit slower to action than you, whereas you're like, you have an idea and you do it. Yeah. And that's something I've picked up for you. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't actually just sit on something. Maybe I should just go and go and do it and get it out in the world. Yeah. So I feel like, again, like a lot of times with we Jill, we've been discussing ways to grow the business or what we want from our life and how we're going to get it. You know, she'll come in with a completely different opinion sometimes and a new take, and that's been a, a huge, huge for me. But again, it, it, it's not some halfwit on Twitter behind an avatar. It's somebody that I, I love and respect. So I think that's a key element to that. You can't just mm-hmm. be any old, any old. Person. Yeah,
0: because of course, I think the popular opinion that that's critiquing would be that it's all about your goals, it's all about your discipline, it's all about your, your, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your, your mindset. Whereas we're talking here about behavior management and yeah overseen that no i think i think we can get on board with that mm-hmm. mr hat you're up uh,
2: i'm gonna go i suppose relating to business coaches you need more than six months of running a successful business before you become a business coach and i'm relating this to fitness business because fitness business coaches are amongst the worst people on earth in my opinion maybe not the worst people on earth but they're they, oh, they, they infuriate I me I think and up. uh so yeah unpopular opinion you need you need a lot more experience than generally what people have before they launch a fitness business Mentorship or whatever you want to call it and the same goes for life coaches that are under the age of 35 Like or, I mean age doesn't need to be the most important factor But you need to have lived a fucking life to be giving someone life advice in my opinion I'm not gonna take advice from a, an 18 year old on how to live my life I'm much more likely to take that from someone older and older like my granddad is 87 I would take advice all fucking day from him he's been through literally I, the I, wars Yeah, um, I would take advice from him all day long and the same goes from, from fitness business, Like you, you've ran a successful fitness business for six months and by that it means you've got 40 clients, you've got a few results and now you want to teach other people how to do that. You shouldn't be fucking doing it, you, you need to spend an extended period of time developing that skill in my opinion. and just basically like showing that you can do it for a long period of time um we, we've all had levels of success in our life on whims we all have i've launched programs that i did not think would do well and they randomly blow up that doesn't mean i can, can consistently do that you need to learn how to manage those things over time
0: mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree I, I think the popular opinion you're pushing back on there is that oh yeah i should diversify my business and offer mentoring and stuff like that and that's that's a popular thing to do at the moment, yeah. but pushing back against that I think is completely reasonable because it, it does seem like every Tom, Dick and Harry is suddenly now a business coach. Yeah. and you, I mean,
2: you work with a lot of them. In fact, you work with two guys that I suppose, whether they call themselves, the anti-business business coaches?
0: Well, they actually go out the episode before this, so okay. at, the t- at the time of recording, Dan and Mike will go out tomorrow. But right.
2: what I actually love and respect about Dan and Mike is, one, they're actually still running a fitness th- business, which... A lot of business coaches say, how can you be doing that? You need to be putting all your emphasis into your business mentorship clients. I actually disagree for the for the short term. I think you should actually learn how to how to manage both. And it's just things change so much with fitness. Like genuinely, they actually do with like how to run a fitness business. There's new apps comes out, there's different ways to do check-ins. Like there is ever changing things. And if you're not really in those trenches or you've got a good handle of what's going on, mm. I, I don't see how you can offer the best advice in that in that respect.
1: Yeah. I I feel like this has been a product of the kind of online education boom over the mm-hmm. past yeah. few years,
2: which I love. Like it's I think it's phenomenal. Throng- yeah.
1: I wouldn't I genu- I wouldn't know what I know now. I wouldn't be where I am now without it. Like I, I have everything I've learned about like corporate has all been through it, invested in these in these different courses and things like that. But like anything else, there, there there is always going to be a downside. And I think one of the downsides is when people when a lot of people are like say like you are a, like a course creator and you show people how to create courses mm-hmm. that's your thing yeah and it's like well you have knowledge in your head that's valued and it's five hundred thousand dollars yeah 000. let me unlock it for you yeah. and you're like well that's not really how it works because like a, a personal example is i could potentially well not potentially. i've, I've had a, a few people reach out like aspiring copywriters ask me to mentor them mm-hmm. i would never do that not interested. I just send them all to a guy who's been on this podcast, Mike Samuels. I just say, go do Mike's course or go join his mastermind group. If if he's, if he's got slots open, he's the guy that taught me. He's the guy that contributed most to where I am today. Yeah. Go learn off him. And that's not me getting on a moral high horse. It's just about being being a realist, you know, just because I know what it's like to go from like zero at copywriting to having the business I am, have now doesn't mean that I can show other people how to do it. And very quickly, yeah a very specific example. See the f- the first kind of higher ticket client I ever got. I was scrolling through Facebook when I should have been working, and saw a job post in a Facebook group and applied for it. I've told that story before about the burnt chicken video and all of that. Yeah, right. How did I teach somebody that? Yeah. How did I teach? How, 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 how do I replicate that? I don't know if begin will getting too in the weeds, but you can see like what you're saying, like oh, yeah. like just because you're like, it's, it's very specific what specific. you did there
0: yeah. and yeah. it was applied in that setting. Yeah. Like I, again, I've probably spoken to this before as well, but when I first started doing new business and work, mm. we, the, the the first year myself, my Welsh colleague did really, really well. And the second year, my Welsh colleague was coaching everyone else how to do new business sales in terms of cold calling yeah. emails. But he was, like, from the valleys in Wales, a place called Aberdeer. Mad as a hatter, he'd, like, open, like, he'd open, like, cold calls with, like, jokes and stuff like that. And I, I know for a fact that I couldn't do that. Yeah. But other people were being coached by this guy. And it was all super specific in terms of how he did yeah. things and how he did his proposals and how he did his presentations. Yeah. And people were, like... I can't sell like this guy because he was unique and brilliant at what he did. So in the same way that you did a particular kind of video to your first high ticket client, you can't be like everyone, you're all going to be mini Chris Burns and all going to try and do it in this way. And that's what I think is being forced on the industry now, all become mini, whatever, insert, coach's name. Yeah, I just think you need
2: to put in more of the groundwork for a longer period of time before you you go and teach that to someone else because you need to fuck up more. You need to make way more mistakes. Um,
1: Because I I still have like... um, like, I actually got an email last week because I've done a few like, trainings for, for, for Mike's group and apparently like, people are still using them. And I do have many people saying like, oh, you know, I landed a client using using your training. Yeah. And people would say, oh, that's proof that you can then go turn it into a course. I'm like, no, it's not. yeah that's I, I'm sorry. But for me, the standard is much higher, probably because I have seen more of the good side of online education and the mm-hmm. bad side. So I have learned from people who have over delivered for me pretty much. I can only think of one thing I invested in yeah. that was a shit show, right? That's it. But apart from that, it's all been great. And I'm like, well, that's the standard that I hold myself to. So if I can't reach that, if somebody gets a random, if somebody gets a win off some kind of training I've got out there in a kind of private group, fantastic. That's why I put it in there. That's why I was asked to do it. But apart mm-hmm. from that, you can't just go about selling your knowledge as people like to say agreed okay Uh, Mm -hmm. my unpopular opinion
0: a lot of people have no idea why they believe what they believe so if you cannot state what information you would have to read or consume that would allow you to change your viewpoint on something Mm -hmm. then you do not have a opinion or a belief you have like an ideological like faith in something so for example you should be able to what you would call steel man The opposition's argument and understand why they come from that and obviously critique it but equally if they came to you with a a new piece of information you should acknowledge that that particular information might be able to shift where your viewpoint is Mm -hmm. otherwise you are just radically entrenched and it links to a a jeff bezos Mm -hmm. phrase which is around holding your strong opinions loosely not loose opinions held strongly. So if I have a particularly strong opinion on how a podcast should be conducted or how a fitness program should be structured, there needs to be evidence behind it. However, if somebody brought me evidence to the contrary that was of sufficient merit and depth, then I should be completely comfortable to acknowledge that I'm going to change my opinion. Yeah, I think that's an
2: incredibly hard thing for a lot of people to articulate though, I would say. So like whatever your belief is if somebody, why do you believe that? I think, and I would struggle with that personally. I'd be like, why do it? You know, it would take a lot, I think it takes a lot of thinking. I think it takes an incredibly intelligent or articulate person to actually like vocalize why as they believe that. You are very data numerical. Like you've kind of got that going on in your brain. I think a lot of people would struggle to just pull that out. You're actually similar in that respect. You could pull a lot of that just from there. A lot of people, in my opinion, would really struggle with just having that information mm. ready ready at hand without going,
0: ah. I need to go and think about that. Do you know know what I mean? You should be allowed to go and think about it, definitely. But I think if you have a particular belief or an opinion on a matter, and if somebody came to you with evidence to the contrary and you just completely disregarded it offhand straight away, I think you are too radically entrenched. And I think we have a lot of that in today's Mm -hmm. society where people are, they're left or they're right or they're they're whatever, whatever, um, like... Party line. We can split it down. Yeah, People are yeah. very, very entrenched in where their opinions mm. are. Whereas I think there's, there's got to be nuanced ground somewhere in the, mm-hmm. in the middle. Where particularly if somebody brought you something that was of interest or pushed back a little bit on it, you should be accepting of. Oh well, actually that, might that could change my opinion to some extent. And you're not just indoctrinated in a particular yeah. ideology.
2: Totally. I've, I've changed so many of my, be- my beliefs this year alone, and I think that has just exposed myself to more views, like we talked about mm. a minute ago. And I think that's yeah. been. You know, that's a thing. But also maybe just expose myself to people that are fucking way wiser than me, which is most people. Um, But like consistently listening to people that have, I I can't say that I've read tons of Nietzsche. I've not read loads of Aristotle. I've not read all that shit. But I've relied on people that I like, trust, and respect to almost relay that information back to me for me to say, ah, but I believe this because of this and because this person believes it because of that. I suppose that's how a lot of my beliefs are definitely created.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think I've I, I've changed my mind, not maybe not on something quite as kind of deep as that, but like uh, I've changed my mind a lot on like the kind of how brand affects marketing and sales, you know, cause unfortunately one of the things you learn when you come into copywriting a lot of times is like uh, all of those brand and marketing people are all just dicking about doing nothing. And by the way, some I mean, of that's true, right? Some people are a hundred percent stealing a wage, right? But branding's still very very important. I mean just look around you. Yeah. You know it's, it's clearly still important. So I think like in the past year or so I've read into more about that and I've learned more about it and I've realized like just because I come from the direct response which is arguably like the sharp end of the spear as like Mark I can't remember his name sorry escape me he 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 he. he's one of the kind of foremost kind of marketing experts who does like kind of alternate mba on it on marketing and he talks about that's the tip of the spear but there's so much more going on you've seen that with mtn you know yeah. the, the, the growth of that brand your personal brand as well because you, you you know the benefits of that whereas i was quite quite kind of dismissive of that before but whereas new information was brought to me and i kind of reminds me and i went yeah, I've kind of got a bit too entrenched in my own wee direct response copywriting world there. You know, I've, there's a bigger world out there and there's more going on. It's probably maybe better at my job as a result of that because I probably get more respect for those things when I'm working with clients. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's something that I definitely change I just, on.
0: I just think it's pushing people to be open-minded enough to change their mind. So hmm. you were in a position where, yes, you had your existing biases, Chris, that you were, yeah. you, were, you were leaning into in terms of like within your copywriting yeah, world, yeah. you were saying, but by getting new information that came to light, you were like, actually, I'm willing to shift my opinion and maybe some of my actions, and then I've moved to a a better place because somebody's presented me with the right information to allow me to do that.
1: Yeah, and listen, i don't want to paint myself as some kind of super enlightened guy that was easy to change my mind on that because it helped me grow my business yeah. right if somebody came to me with some opinion so like if you want to give like a more like a controversial one if if somebody came to me with an example of saying like no actually like socialism's actually a really good idea yeah. i'd be like bolt mate, get out of here I, I no chance like i wouldn't i probably wouldn't listen to them genuinely i wouldn't listen to them what i could back like, it up if you liked them what I if could... jill came to you with that? what's
2: that what if jill came to you
1: That'd be, I'd have to, be very that'd, convincing. I'd have to call upon my behaviour regulation in that in that, in that particular scenario. Nah, she's a big dirty capitalist. What have you changed your mind on, David?
2: Um, do you know what? One of them's actually, the, the, the one that sprung to mind was my, my belief around productivity and that I had to always be productive. Things like that. That's probably the biggest one that stuck out just because we spoke about it. Who
0: helped, who helped
2: shift that for you? Oh, Alex or <laughs> <laughs> Somebody actually got me in my secret Santa. A, a framed picture of um, Alex was but... I, he's somebody that consistently springs to my mind about behaviour change and belief change because of what he says on it and the I suppose the beliefs that he's consistently... He's just said a lot of things that I've, I've consumed so much of this guy's content this year and I've changed a lot of my thoughts on sales, marketing, brand, everything based on that. Mm. Um, and it's again because no like trust, like I, I can see the success that he's had as well. Um, so yeah, I think the 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 productivity one not necessarily being a or unproductivity not being a bad thing. Um, it's probably one of the biggest beliefs that have changed this year.
0: Yeah, and if you were super close minded, you wouldn't have accepted that at all. Yeah, would you know, would I have need to
2: be down. productive mm. all of the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. interesting. Sure. Chris, unpopular opinion. So I've got um don't be don't be too salesy, uh for for coaches and things. And it, I can't even. I think this is the most infuriating thing i have ever spoken about on this podcast for right. me. It just. My fucking, next one might link in perfectly. Together. Fucking does my nothing, you know. Because here's the thing, here, here's what, what it really is, right? It's coaches, be it business coaches in there. Business coaches don't really do this, to be fair, in the fitness space, but a lot of coaches who have had years of success built off of their own brand and years of, of being a coach, you know, and being on different platforms back when the expos were big and magazines were big. And then going back and telling the newer generation of coaches that things like you shouldn't be too salesy in your content, you shouldn't use pain points in your content, giving out this marketing and sales advice, which is taking money out of their pockets. It's stopping them from growing their business. And it's fucking infuriating because it is nothing more than a kind of self-serving um statement. That they use as a stepping stone to get up on a high horse. That's all it is, you know. Oh, I never use pain points <clears throat> in my marketing. Oh, I, oh, I mm-hmm. never. No, I never sell myself. I've just got people battering down my door. I'm like that's okay for you. Ten years in the industry, results coming out your ass, and like you know, all, all the all the network that you, anybody could ever ask for. But if you're a new coach, or if you're building your business, yeah. Like would you, would you have been able to build your business to where it is without you need
0: selling? A, you need to a, you need to ask for the business. Well, I've
2: maybe got a, a weird opinion on this because I've had success in the era that was maybe easier to generate leads. Maybe yeah. But like my actual unpopular opinion, I'm, I'm not. We're, we're gonna they both link in. Great. Is that if you focus on great marketing, you actually don't need to sell as much. And I know that marketing is selling to, to a degree, but what I mean yeah. by that is like cold outreach things like that. I've never done any of those forms of selling. I've always just had very good brand and very good marketing and people have came to us and just bought. We've, we've rarely, and I know you could say yeah that the sales page is selling them the, the whatever else is selling them. But mm. I've my opinion on that is like, and, and probably just anecdotal because of the success we've had from a lead standpoint without being like top salespeople, I, I can count on both, both fingers both hands how many sales calls i've been on i've, I've never fucking i've never used that as, a, as an aspect yeah. to, yeah. to sell anything it's always been through having really good fucking marketing. thanks yeah um <laughs> so uh, I, t- I totally what was it? what was the actual unpopular opinion
1: yeah, it's like, don't be too salesy with your, you know, yeah. as a but coach but, or don't oh, use payments. But his marketing is salesy, it's yeah, hitting on pain points, get, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, driving you
0: get it towards yeah. getting you ready to buy, yeah. and then he's going to present it off, he's um, going to ask for it. I'm yeah. looking at sales in a different
2: light, I'm looking at sales as in cold outreach, things like that. Like, that, proper yeah, yeah, vein, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, because I'm not, I'm, I'm totally not against that. It's just not the type of marketing or sales. It doesn't um, tie in with who are, that you that are, and it's maybe something we need to do more of cold outreach, things like that. But I just I just fucking, I just hate that world. To be fair, I just don't like it. It's probably just uncomfortable for me.
1: Yeah, that's true. But here's here's what it really comes down to for me is what we've seen people give this advice, especially to coaches. I work with a lot of coaches in like my 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 copy clinic and stuff, and I'm in a few groups with coaches that get business coaching. So I help them with email marketing. What you're saying to them is ignore human nature, and that's mental, right? Oh, really? We're going to ignore human nature, are we? What a fantastic idea that is, because people are always going to be more motivated to move away from pain than they are towards pleasure. That is something that is universally true. There's no getting away from that. So let's ignore the reality of this person's situation and just expect them to somehow wander into a coaching program or, you know, it's just, even though you're saying there, you're absolutely bang on, like your market has always been really good. Even, even before we worked together. Um, but your content, you are so consistent, and all your content was based around, even though you didn't pain know points. it, pain yeah, yeah. points. Yeah. Because every, I remember, remember back in the day where your Instagram was flying, and you were in Dubai, and you had, you know, pictures of you looking shredded in Dubai, and it was all these long captions, and everyone was getting hundreds of likes. Yeah. Everyone was solving a pain point. Yeah. Everyone was talking about getting lean. Everyone was talking about getting fat loss, yeah. yeah, achieving fat loss, like feeling that. confident. So it was all pain point focused, because that's what people, that's what people cared about, that's what people react. to. And then leading
0: yeah. to a solution that you were happy to put forward. Whereas yeah. there's people that are being discouraged from being salesy. And they're afraid to talk about the pain points. They're afraid to say that I've got a solution that can help you. Instead, they're just hoping that their email yeah. inbox will get yeah. battered down with but clients. Would you
2: say there's a ratio? So from a marketing perspective for mm. any like content cre- or like mm. anyone that has a product, would you say there's a ratio of like just solely value like versus sales? Or do you think they always need to be kind of interlinked?
1: I think you should always be selling. Yeah. I think you should always be selling, but I think you should the majority of the time it's going to be a softer sell. Yeah. And then there's going to be times of the year where you're doing a more harder like direct sell. Like that. You know, so like, Every, always give a call to action because see here's the other thing i done a I done a reel on this probably about six months ago because no posting on instagram that long but <laughs> uh, but like when you think when you think about value and i'll give credit there's a guy called daniel throssel who everybody should be on his email list because he's the best one of the best cooperators on the planet but like he talks about value and he talks about entertainment like being entertaining is part of giving value yeah. coaches think value is like talking about protein yeah, yeah. synthesis or the clavicular angle of your pecs and an inclined bench or some stupid shit like that, yeah. right? With a band so, around it. That'll trigger a few people, right? Then we go. Um, so I think like when you, what you're saying there is like, bang on, if you're giving value in terms of entertainment solutions, speaking to pain points, giving them some kind of relief from that pain point, give a call to action, go sign up to my email list, go download this, yeah. send me a DM. There should always be some kind of sale to nurture that relationship and move it forward in there. Yeah. Nobody's going to be annoyed at that. No, mm-hmm. Like, nobody's going to think, oh, that, that post was amazing. It's held my attention on Instagram where I can go in a million different directions, but I've watched your reel or read your post or read your email. But now that you've given me a link to download, I'm going to oh, unsubscribe fuck or fuck yeah. you. and I'm going to send you an abusive message. That's never going to happen. Yeah. And just one more very quick point on this. See, when it comes to like, you know, say like I said, like about ignoring human nature and about the pain points. Here's the other side to it. See if you actually address people's pain points. They don't feel upset. They don't feel manipulated. They just feel seen and heard. And because you're the one that's made them feel seen and heard, yeah. you're the coach for them. Yeah. You're the guy that's going to get them the solution. It's not about totally. manipulating because business coaches all the time, oh, if you don't send up from a program, you're going to be destitute. And I've heard some horror stories about people being pressured to use their inheritance money from their dead mother to invest in business coaching, right? I've heard some absolute howlers. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's not what it mm-hmm. is. Pain points are about p- making sure people are seen and heard. Yeah. by you, who could be their coach.
0: Yeah, well, well put. And your, yours was linked to that, David, in terms of the marketing being on point. Mm. Yeah,
2: but marketing just being, again, this is just my experience because you've got people that are proper good salespeople that would say the opposite. I just like selling, I just, I can sell anything. But as we've always just focused on having really good marketing, really good branding <laughs> and people coming to us. But don't get me wrong, I think if we got better at selling, like directly, that's maybe something that we could add in as well as like book a call. It's something mm. I just never offer, book a call. I'm always just like, we're pretty much full, or this program's launching these dates. Like sign up now. Join the email um, for more information. And then, and then yeah. they sign up. Like that's definitely something that is maybe a belief that I need to change. I think I need to become a better direct salesperson, as I have been like building marketing skills, things
0: like that. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Do I want to talk about this one, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let I'll let Chris talk. I'll let Chris introduce it.
1: Right. So we're ganging up on you, do David. You, David. Right, David. that, right? I'll have oh. some,
0: I'll have a comeback.
1: Right. <laughs> um, public accountability isn't for everyone. It's certainly not for two guys sitting around this table. Yeah. But it is for it is for one of us. It is for me. I've yeah. always
2: been big on telling people what I'm gonna do, and mostly because when I used to do it, I used to work <laughs> and I used to stick to it. So, for example, you know, telling people, "Ah, oh, like I did a bodybuilding show in 2017. I'm gonna compete." Uh, this was four months previous to that. I'm going to compete, I'm going to do a show in four months time. I put it out there because of the fear of looking stupid, if I didn't do it, and the fear of looking, you know, maybe not, stupid is probably the best word. Um, whereas, I've done it actually quite recently, in the sense of I was like, I'm not going to drink for 12 weeks. I put it out there to the world, done 15 YouTube videos on it, 5 reels, 6 Instagram posts. Lasted five weeks and i get absolutely fucked one day. And do you know what? It worked in the sense of like it got me started, it got me going. It got actually a conversation started surrounding that. But did I feel stupid come week five when I fucked it? 100%. So it was a negative in that sense. But maybe so much of a negative that I'll continue to use public accountability and look back on that. How did you feel when you actually didn't stick to what you said you were going to do?
0: You're in a good situation where you have a following mm-hmm. and you have an engaged following who might call you out on it. Yeah. I think some people who shout about it on social media to their their 300 friends and family that are following them, mm-hmm. how many of them are going to come back and say, I can't believe you didn't compete in that show. Yeah. Like I was talking to Elliot Wise in the podcast and it's funny the way release dates work, but it, the last episode they got released and I was saying to him that, he coaches a lot of uh mentors a lot of business owners and lots of them will shout about big things coming 2023 mm-hmm. and like the eye emojis yeah and i mean the big things don't come nobody yeah. in their audience is like i can't believe the big thing didn't come because yeah. because they don't they don't care enough like that the, the sahil bloom spoke about the spotlight effect in the podcast we all assume that the spotlight is more us than it is yeah. so like if i follow 700 people on instagram best believe i'm not fully engaged what every single one of them has said and I don't necessarily remember. I remember you saying you were going to do 12 Weeks Sober because it was... A, a change in habit It yeah. was, and you and talked about it a lot and we're all and we, and we speak and we speak about, and we speak a lot as well. So I was able to like be aware that, that was going to yeah. happen, but there's probably other people I've seen that like, I'm going to do a shoot in June next year and it doesn't happen and I'm not, and probably none of their audience are going to be on at them saying, I can't believe you didn't do that. So for them, public accountability doesn't work, but they got an element of mental masturbation yeah. when they announced it because uh, people were probably like, that's yeah, amazing. That. So they get the positive feedback loop without the action. Yeah. Which, which is one of the reasons that we're in a bit of a, a social media addiction, a bit yeah. of a a bit of a, a, a dopamine um, kind of detox mm-hmm. environment. That we yeah. probably need to get away from it a little bit mm-hmm. because people are just announcing things and throwing it out there without any of the action and they get the initial praise, but nobody's holding them to it because maybe they don't have a coach, maybe they don't have a mentor, maybe they don't have a group of friends that will say, you said you were going to do that and you didn't yeah, fucking yeah. do it or you said you were going to do it and you said you were going to do it to this standard but you actually did it to this standard. Yeah, I've, I've definitely fallen into that trap and I, I'll consistently do it. I think I've just always
2: done that. I've always put out what I'm going to do way ahead of doing it. Mostly because I've almost always I've then achieved it. So, like, I think I've done it with almost all my goals. I've, like, most people don't know what I'm looking to achieve, things like that because I generally put them out there. Um... So I think you need to back up what I think, I think you need a consistent period of backing up what you're, what you're putting out there so that when you do put something out there, like everyone knows you're going to achieve it or they're, they're kind of you've got a track record. In that, in that, yeah, in that that's mm-hmm. funny.
0: because um interestingly the other person that talks about this a lot online that is in David's camp is Jamie Alderton, who was mm-hmm. grenade J. He announces like the different world record attempts he's going to do and stuff yeah. like that. And he finds it tremendously motivating to say that he's going to do it. Yeah. Equally, he shows you his cold dip every morning, in his Instagram story or in his reels mm-hmm. because he knows that people are watching now, he's in a position where he's got a massive audience where people would genuinely, because of the number of people that are there, that somebody uh, would yeah. check in and be like, why are you not doing that? In the same way that you probably got people saying, David, yeah, you drank was... you, 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 you drank that night. When I was doing
2: the 10k a day, like I had messages every day like, oh, have you done that yet? Like, people can have poking fun as well. Seen for those that, that didn't see that, yeah, yeah. that was the time. And it was like 10 kilometers a day, cardio every day for 60 days. Um, and that one I actually did though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like I did have, and I've not got a big following by, you know on the most part but um i did have people reaching out going oh have you done that today or like oh, i think that scene that you missed yesterday you're gonna do another one today like things like that so I people were holding totally you to me. it yeah. yeah exactly whereas if you've not got that audience or that kind of interaction level you, you wouldn't necessarily get that
0: chris public accountability for you
1: nope never tried it never will.
2: but you're at you're the least public person i know about any <laughs> aspect of your life <laughs> no, no, like no, if no, you no, look at know. me yeah. if you look at like i'm a total overshare like yeah if people follow me and you and they follow me and you for the exact same time frame, they know a lot more about me than they do you. 100%. Through
1: yeah.
2: choice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, through choice. And I, I yeah. think that's just always how I've kind of went about building my brand and like sto- like stories from me, like Instagram stories, right. like I use and them it, so You've got a lot of
1: success though, yeah, because yeah. when you started putting yourself out there, especially in like your kind of local area, mm-hmm. like you became like very popular PT, so like you got a lot of engagement, and then I imagine that probably helped public accountability work yeah. for you. Yeah, of course. But like with me, like you say, yeah, I'm, I would say by nature, more of a private yeah. Reserve person like online anyway not not in yeah. person but online i'm much more feedback. so I, I just don't get anything from it and i also don't have so i like, see your audience your audience is much closer to what you're doing and so so see even like the sober october or like the, the 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 10k a day thing yeah. people can relate to that more whereas i'm like yeah i'm trying to build a
0: yeah copyright business uh, much more uh, build yeah.
1: a direct response <laughs> corporate agency people like less what? people know what that is yeah then and they i wouldn't, they wouldn't know what actions he need to take whereas yeah. they know he
0: needs to be on his
1: Rower yeah. or his yeah uh, or his bike. yeah exactly so they they care more about that you just I, and I don't follow other copywriters like on purpose because I'm fucking boring. Right, like I'll fall like two, like but yeah. I just so i have not got anybody in the audience that really gets it. Mm-hmm. So like I talk to you about it, yeah. I talk to you in person, talk to you about it in person and things, and when we meet. But public yeah. gonna accountability is never going to be. That's
0: accountability to people that you know are going to say to you because I'm going to say to you, Chris, how'd you go on with that client? Yeah, but exactly. You were telling me you were having a difficult conversation with. It, I'm going to be, like, oh, how'd that go? Yeah. So it's public yeah. accountability then, counting as to the masses, or because so. I mean,
2: yeah. you, you'll tell me things that you're going to achieve to me because yeah. you know that I understand that, You know, yeah, yeah, I yeah, like.
0: Is that different from me
2: announcing? Two? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think that so. so that's, yeah, that's more.
0: That's more like uh, connected, isn't it? Yeah. Lot, the, the, the the looser ties that you've got with social media, that's a much tighter tie because he could he's gonna WhatsApp you, whereas yeah. the the eleven thousand people that have seen your story, are they yeah. are they WhatsApp,
1: yeah. The yeah. yeah. Some of them yeah. <laughs> do actually. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it just blows exactly. up. A bit. I, I never share anything because because my my Instagram's now very much more about like um helping coaches. Yeah. I don't there's no point in me sharing anything about business. So nobody knows anything about my, which might have to change, but nobody knows anything about my business on my Instagram because it's not relevant to my audience. My coaches come to me for corporate advice to write better emails, to make more money, make more sales. Mm -hmm. They don't give a toss how my agency's doing. Well, here's a
2: good thing then about public accountability in the sense of when I did fuck it with boozing, so many people replied to that story saying, this is great, you're a human being. So what that was, was complete reliability with my audience. Yeah, there you go. So it works in that sense. So I actually just done 12 weeks sober so that I could fuck it up. No joke. Uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, so Don't many bland. people messaged
2: me that weekend being like, oh, I'm so glad that you, because because you, I could have just told everyone that I did do it. I could have just been like, yeah, I've done the 12 weeks sober. It was great. Um, but I didn't. I was like, after I went out. Fucking peer pressure got the better of me. And I absolutely got smashed. And it was a great time. Um, but hmm. people people totally respected that. People were like, oh, this is so relatable. I've been trying to like give up fast food. I've been trying to give up booze as well, whatever. So there was that like level of really ability. So it can I helped in a sense of building engagement well, and, and trust building, as well because you didn't trust lie. With you didn't yeah, lie. exactly, exactly. So yeah. it's all just a big fact.
0: Agreed. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do one really quickly. Then we'll do Christmas ones. Cool. Oh, um, consistency is not the be all and the end all. Quality is important too. Mm. So. I see a lot of people being like, oh, you just need to consistently show up on Instagram and post. You just Mm -hmm. need to consistently release podcasts. There's that whole stat that I share quite a lot is that basically 80% of podcasts are gone by episode 21. Mm -hmm. Gone completely. So straight away, you're in the top 20%. This podcast has had the benefit of getting into top 1.5%. So there's a difference between just being consistent and an element of quality as well. Now, there's people that are the 1.5% above me their quality is higher than mine and their consistency is higher than mine. But I've got to recognize that because I can consistently show up every Sunday and post a podcast. But if the quality of it's not high, Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't be in, it wouldn't have uh, had the relative merit that it's had. So I think that people mistake sometimes that just consistently doing the same things is the same as doing things on a high level consistently. So if you had one of your clients training David Mm -hmm. and they were like, I've been to the gym six days a week. For the last six weeks, I've seen no changes. Yeah. The quality of their training sessions is probably garbage. Yeah. So yeah. I think some people just massively index on you just need to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You could be consistently doing the wrong things or, or things at a really low functioning level. I would say that you need to be consistent to learn the quality.
2: So I think you need to put a lot of time in with being like okay. your podcasts have only got better because you've consistently done them. You didn't if you just posted once every six weeks. You wouldn't kind of get the feedback the same way to improve them as you would by doing them on a weekly basis. So I do think they're both important, consistency and the quality of what you're putting out is important. But I think to actually learn how to get higher quality workouts, to learn how to get higher quality podcasts, you kind of need to do them really consistently and even have some really shit ones yeah. um, to to improve them in that sense. Or that you need to have the self-awareness to improve on things because some people consistently do stuff that's consistently bad but
0: I, um, so i've gone to so many different gyms over the years and sometimes i'll occasionally go back to one and it'll be one that i last trained in like 2016 now i i am bigger and leaner than i was in 2016 mm-hmm. but there'll be people there that i know go five days a week the same number of days that i've gone yeah. for the same number of years and they look the exact same yeah because the quality and the intensity of their work has been of a low level Yeah. Mm-hmm. equally there's podcasters that have probably released the same number of episodes as me but haven't touched wood had the same standard of guests, the same number of downloads the same yeah. number of ratings on Apple or Spotify whatever and that's because their quality or the standard that they've worked towards has not been mm-hmm. as high equally there's people that have done 20 podcasts and they're miles ahead of me in yeah. terms of their standard of guest maybe their networks better but I'm not comparing myself to them because their quality is higher yeah. if you if you ultimately look at it maybe they record in the studio every week there's a lot of minor over or zoom or, yeah. mm-hmm, or, or, yeah. or, or StreamYard. Streamyard. Right, so I right. need to I need to recognize that my quality isn't as high as those guys and that's okay but I also need to recognise that it's not just consistency that's going to allow me to compete with them or overtake them.
2: Yeah, like if you're consistently just on it over-zoom, you, you wouldn't have had the same level of growth perhaps. Perhaps. Depends.
0: Yeah. I, 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 one of the reasons that I, I, I am confident that's not the case is because I've not just stuck to my own goldfish bowl. I've interviewed mm-hmm. people across the world. Like there was no way I had the budget to fly over and interview Sahil Bloom in, in New York, but he's probably one of the biggest guests that you can get at the moment, yeah. um which is which is which is pretty cool. And I've got the reassurance that Chris Williamson built Modern Wisdom pretty much entirely oh, did, over yeah. over yeah. Over, yeah. Over, yeah. over Skype yeah. Skype actually yeah. of all things. Yeah. Um yeah, his first Jordan Peterson episode was over Skype and it did whatever many million plays yeah. whatever. But then there was yeah.
2: that over COVID as well, Yeah, of
0: course, yeah. of um, course. So so there's there is an element of that as well. But yeah, mm. like recognizing that you can do things really consistently, but the quality of it's gotta be high, otherwise you are just kidding yeah. yourself on think. Yeah. Like-
1: yeah, I think I think what you said there about like having the awareness. Of being like the consistency is absolutely. I was actually talking to somebody about this today about their, their copywriting and like they were determined to get better at it. And he's like, I've set myself aside two hours every day to get better. And it's like, I can don't be yourself under that pressure, mate. Half an hour, do half an hour consistently, mm-hmm. but assess your work. So I think as long yeah. as you're assessing what you're doing consistently, so you can then yeah. improve it. Because like you said, there's no there's no magic to consistency. You don't ma- You don't just get better by being consistent, you do you? Back, don't you? You need or to you actually need go and like this? like so. Obviously, for me, for like copywriting, if I'm looking at my work if I'm just showing up and writing every day and not looking at work again, it's never going to get better. I'm never sure. going to spot the holes in it. You know, same year, like you're training. You don't spot like where because I'm, could I, could, was that really three reps in reserve or yeah. you know, could I went harder there? You know, it's not that whole thing. So yeah. as long as you're assessing Agreed. your consistency. Let's do our, uh, our Christmas go. unpopular opinions. Chris, you want to start? Yep. Are people going to turn off after this? Probably. I, Probably. Right. Nah. I'll go last then, so, so people listen to the end of this episode. Yeah, you go last. I'll go next. Right, go. Um, my, so un- selfish.
2: My unpopular... Now I'm trying to keep, <laughs> the, keep the viewers <laughs> as long as I I'll can. I'll go first. Spotlight uh, on me. <laughs> you go then. Public accountability. <laughs> uh, I would say... <laughs> oh, I'm trying to get of a word. Christmas should be a, a week-long event, not a month-long event.
1: Fucking
2: yes. Okay. And why is that? Because everyone switches off from business, from training, from buying, from fucking living, oh, living a normal life over the full month of Christmas. That Most people lose a month. Like they start winding down work-wise, they start winding down training-wise. And I know this firsthand from clients. I've coached clients for the last eight years. This year, I've, I've, I'm coaching the smallest number of clients right now, but this has been the worst year that I'm looking at across the board. And I actually think it's related to COVID and the fact that people missed out for two years of family and Christmas, things like that. But Fuck me, like, people are going on Christmas nights out on, like, the 1st of December. People are stopping training, stopping dieting, stopping making progress in our
0: life for a month. Some and- of my clients in the corporate world have been on a go slow since December. Some yeah. of the suppliers that we source yeah. our furniture from have been on a go slow, and I cannot... Like, I, I, I remember, like, you, that it was typically a week. Yeah. yeah. Like, week, like... 10 days ma- max.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. here's here's some, some some life advice, right? Have less pals. Because you get invited to nights out from the first week in December or have less pals or start saying no to things. Yeah. Fact, you know what I mean? Because like, see if, you, see if you get invited to a night out every week or, or every weekend and then, that's why people start to slow down, yeah. isn't it? Because like, yeah. oh, well, I've got a night out on Thursday then I'm out at the weekend. My so team, I've, I've got watched, this, I've, I've get got that, I've pies. got that. I yeah, start, yeah. start saying no to things. Now, it, antisocial behaviour comes easy to me. But yeah. You aye, could you could done. go to some of them sober as well, like David aye, was, was aye, saying in some of his events. I mean, like you say, when you see when, when you put it that way, it's yeah. actually it sounds. I know it sounds like we're all being a bit a bit miserable, but like when you put it that way, you write off a whole month. Like that's quite scary, yeah. isn't no. it? Really, like a whole month is just gone. The,
2: the even even the biggest worst part is Kirsty Wanting to watch Christmas films for a month straight. I oh, can definitely. deal with I, I can, can deal with time. a week, but a month, for fucking Christmas films. Oh, I've managed God. to swear swerve all of them so far. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, it'll on.
0: start. It'll start what two days out. Oh, she'd been watching them for the last like, six weeks.
1: Oh, that's <laughs>
0: what, that's, what, about, what, about, what about decorations? Because you know that the 12 days of Christmas actually start on like Christmas Eve. So yeah. traditionally your tree would have gone up on Christmas Eve really? through yeah, until the 6th it? of January. So yeah. the 12 days would be Christmas to New Year and yeah. then the first six days of New Year and then the tree comes down. Another thing to make me sound like a total cunt,
2: I fucking hate having a Christmas tree in my living room. I stay in a two bed flat. It's not, it's, it's not that big. See the size of the Christmas tree? Again, sorry, Kirsty, if you're listening to this, that she's bought for this flat. It's half my living room's just taken up and then the other half's just fucking parcels everywhere. Uh, that's just a great for me, but I probably just need to buy a bigger house.
0: <laughs> motivation there for yeah, you. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'll do I'll do a food one quick before we go back on to you, Chris. Um, I don't think Christmas dinners should include Yorkshire puddings. Oh, shut the fuck up. So Yorkshire puddings are a Sunday roast. Oh, fuck off. Oh, t- <laughs> <Yep. laughs> they shouldn't be at Christmas dinner. <laughs> nah, Christmas dinner is... I've never a, had
1: Yorkshire puddings with Christmas... I don't know people had Yorkshire puddings. Nah, what? Nah, until this year, I didn't either. I didn't know nah. that. Nah, Christmas I've dinner... I've never the Christmas dinner with Yorkshire puddings.
2: Christmas dinner is just a Sunday roast on rides. That's exactly what that is. I've never. Therefore, you just have more Yorkies, more pigs. So I don't... Have, I have pigs and blankets yeah. year round, though. Oh, do you? i love them whenever. But then i really? also make a roast every single fucking Sunday. So... I have a strong opinion on this. You if think Yorkshire gonna...
0: puddings should be at Christmas dinner? Hundred percent. Why shouldn't they be?
2: They're one of the best parts of a roast dinner. Why wouldn't you include mm. it? In I don't a think Christmas it's a, I
0: don't think it's a roast dinner,
2: but you think it's a roast dinner on steroids? No. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't know. I can't believe you both agree on this.
1: No, I, I, I'm, 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 I am. I'm. just. i have so just, just found i just found had, out yeah. that This is a thing. So, so like, this like, is I, your I, Christmas
2: dinner
0: consist of. So we, we we do four courses.
1: Turkey's so
2: also fucking terrible. Well
0: we we actually we actually have chicken and ham. We used to chicken. my mum basically changed the turkey for chicken at some point in our it's, childhood because she said it was too dry and she just never told us. So we, we have but we have but we have two meats. <laughs> You'd be gutted, you <laughs> I know turkey. exactly But then, some some people are so attached. They're like listen to people nah, are fuming about you're, you're angry about this Yorkshire sure. Pudding thing. But um yeah, two meats. Um chicken and ham, like f- Mum's ridiculous, like four different variations of potato, loads of different veg, but there's no Yorkshire puddings. No, there's like mm. stuffing, stuffing
1: uh, and cranberry sauce, yeah. oh, we, yeah, get chicken though. So it's maybe an, not, it's an, it's an option, but no there's,
0: sure. no, there's no, there's no Yorkshire puddings, nah, but York on piddons. like New Year's Eve, if we were having like roast beef, we would have Yorkshire puddings or if we're having steak pie, would we have, nah, would you wouldn't we have Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire puddings? No, state no, pie, no, no, no. Um, I don't but no have, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're, I don't think it's Christmas day I think it's Sunday roast but I don't think it's Christmas be day I'd interested in that I've, I've always just had them
2: always
1: no, in,
0: no, the, in mean, the comments or on Instagram stories when you tag I, us and you yeah. send us our hate for some of the things we've said yeah. give us your answer on your this as well.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it I'm open to yeah. it I'll eat in who's doing any, Christmas dinner for you? I'll eat in anytime, time I'm going to message her
2: not that I've got her number uh, <laughs> I fucking hope not she should the, be listening to this Leslie. put the Yorkies on Leslie. do not Yorkies speak to on. this
1: man do not speak to this man if he appears
2: on your watch that hi Leslie, are you doing yockies this year? <laughs> hi is you heard about the 12 week beat? <laughs> oh, I see my on 12 week beat uh, fucking hell.
0: I would
1: not be that fortunate right Chris t- t- take, <laughs> t- take,
0: take, take us home with your
1: unpopular Christmas opinion right Elf is a shite film I'm going to disagree again on this it's one. It's shite. It is it. Why though, why? Because it's for simpletons, right? <laughs> it is a terrible story from start to finish. It's not funny, right? Every funny bit's in the trailer. Santa! And then he bups, did you hear that? That's not funny. It's a terrible, there's so many better Christmas films, so many better, like Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, fucking even Home Alone 3, which is shite, and you've probably never heard of, is better than Elf. Like, um, even rom-coms, <laughs> even rom-coms, like, a uh, the love holiday. The holiday love actually one that never gets a mention, by the way, which I'm glad to get Just Friends. Just Friends is a Christmas Not film. Ryan it. Reynolds, the rom okay. com. He goes home at Christmas. It's all centered around Christmas. That's a I funny that. film. That's hilarious. And right? it's better than Elf. And it's better than Elf. Much, much better than nah, Elf. I like it's Elf. It's just a terrible Elf.
2: film. Elf's in the same bracket as role models, Step, but it's the same shite comedy, but it's it's class, it's funny. I like it. You like Will Ferrell? Awesome.
0: Then? What? You like Will Ferrell as a as an uh,
2: actor? I, I like a lot of his films. I I I've also only seen I only seen Elf maybe three years ago I I was going to say I only saw it
0: yeah I only saw it two years
2: ago is it new? new no it's quite it's really old old, so I I think
0: people slightly younger than us have an even stronger attachment to it because they were of a particular age when it came out so people get really are going to get very defensive about what Chris has just said but yeah, I only saw it two years ago for the first time as well. I'm not like crazy strong opinion. I just quite like it. And I also, I'm not, I'm just not that big on Christmas films. I don't
2: like Neither to be forced. It's this time of the year. You must fucking watch this. I'm like, I feel like I'll it's a weird it's, a weird, it's
1: a weird theme. Is Die movie? Hard a Christmas yeah. film? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because Bruce Willis himself said it wasn't. Said it wasn't, wow. I Said it wasn't. There we go. Live on stage State at the Bruce. roast of Bruce Willis. He said Die Hard is not a Christmas movie interesting so, but it's because it's shown at this time of year on yeah. TV but who now watches films like, when actual, they're on TV yeah, like yeah because yeah. You, know, you know what always reminds me of Christmas is Flash Gordon right Flash Gordon was always on BBC at Christmas and I watched it every year but like it's obviously it's fucking Ancient. It, it's like it's the 70s and the guy's yeah. flying about space killing aliens it's not a day with Christmas but, but really this is going to get
0: released on Christmas Day so people should be watching this on Christmas Day on their screens in hundred, my opinion exactly. I don't
1: know I tell you what watching this don't watch Elf whatever mm-hmm. you do Make sure you're watching it. You're yeah, honestly, you can have you, yorkies. you, you can have your keys <laughs> your dinner. You can do whatever you want. Just don't watch. The first elf.
0: ever, the first ever King's speech in however long since obviously Queen Elizabeth's no longer with oh us. And, oh then, and then, well, this, that up. and then this. <laughs> At least none of your unpopular opinions were anti-royal.
1: Well, um, no. I was being respectful. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but, but, gents, let's, let's wrap it up there. Where's the best place for people to head towards? It'll all be linked in the show notes as well, so don't worry if you get it wrong, Chris. Right. Chris,
1: what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is at SavvyScholarChris, so you can find me there, and you can find all the links you need there, and feel free to DM me, um, giving me dogs abuse for any of my unpopular opinions. Yep.
2: Uh, my Instagram handle is at D hat underscore mtn. Uh, my company page is at mtn coaching.
0: Brilliant! That'll be linked in the show notes, guys. If you are listening to us on Christmas Day, Merry Christmas! Hope you have a fantastic festive period, and we'll be back to speak to you all again. Very very soon.